And I'm Drake. And welcome to Backstage Biddies, a podcast where two theater nerds discuss our love and sometimes hate of movie musicals. From Golden Age to Disney to Contemporary, we'll recap and review all things movie musical. Join us as we scrutinize Hollywood casting, dive into the history of all your faves, and gossip about controversies of the stage and screen. Press play and sing along because this, this is Backstage, Backstage Biddies. Hello, all, and exciting news. Hello. We're going to make money. Monetizing. We're monetizing. Uh, so if all goes according to plan, you probably heard an ad at the top of this. And you probably had to subscribe to something to hear this episode. Is this one we're putting... Do we get to choose what goes behind the paywall? Yeah. Maybe this should not be behind a paywall. You're right. <laughs> You're like, this will be the first monetized episode. And I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, that's minute. true. Yeah. Well, we can. This isn't the first episode of, of July. Yeah, it is. It's scheduled to be the second. Oh. Well, time. It doesn't have to be. It, time it travel be. exists. Time travel exists. So. So let's make this the first one. Okay. Chronologically. Okay. Okay. So this is the this is the first monetized episode. <laughs> Everything's all happening. Um, I don't know how many ads we're allowed to put in an episode, but you'll probably hear at least one more, probably at the t- very end, maybe more if I'm feeling saucy. Just all of them everywhere. So we'll all be at once. we'll be adding ads in and hopefully working our way up to brand deals, eventually. God, we need a lot more listeners to work on that. So get and on that's it, on horse. you guys. <laughs> That's on y'all. Get on it. Um, subscriptions wise, it's gonna be a whopping four ninety nine a month. Heyo, for our dear friends, and just some of our episodes will be behind a paywall, so it's yeah. not going to be every single one all month long. It's like every other. Yep. So that's kind of how it's shaken out to be right now. Um, so you're gonna be supporting us and things for like. Equipment and And subscription services for us because I don't know how... uh, Let's get this out of the way. We have a guest today. Hello. Hi, guest. It me, Miss Fish. We're adding... Miss Fish, we have another fish. Adding another (laughs) fish to the roster. I think it's officially we can count it as a school. I think you you could. A school of fish? Yeah, because it's three now. You're the third. Do you think we can get Caitlin on? Maybe. I'm going to give her a call. Give her a little ringy-ding-ding yeah. down in Texas. Be like, hey. Hey, I know you're busy lawyering and like... And like changing the world, but <laughs> it's changing fine. lives. I tweet her all the time. I bet she'll take the bait. Get her on the Twitter. I we will. can do it over Zoom. We could Zoom it. You absolutely could Zoom it. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't done that yet because we, we tried once and couldn't figure it out. <laughs> that's because we had to pay for that. So that's another thing that... <sighs> and we want to create video content and all of that takes money my dear friends and i know so many of you want to support us in that way and we love and appreciate you for that so let's talk about subscription services because this movie is available to watch on netflix the one that we are going to be discussing yes um and i was so so mad because i have netflix so i didn't think i'd have to pay for this one and then i went to log into my netflix and i use my mother-in-law's netflix Mm -hmm. and lo and behold because my television is not in her living room Netflix was like, hey, fuck you. 
and I couldn't watch it. Bridget's still hasn't been affected yet. Oh, <gasps> lucky ducks. As we're recording. As, <laughs> as we're recording. So I was like, every time I open it, I'm just like, uh, yeah, crossing your fingers, hoping the worst hasn't happened. Toes. Ugh. Fucking A. Fucking capitalism, bro. It's the worst. They get you every time. They really do. I do hate capitalism. With that being said, please give us your money. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we still gotta work within the system that we're given right now. Yeah, I hey, don't you know can, then. You can only win the game if you play the game. Yeah. Alright. So that's what's up. Um, so yes, we're monetizing. Um, please, please, please tell your friends about us. It would be uh, super awesome to have a bunch of little little subsies. And I know several people have reached out to me and asked for things like um, like the Grey's Anatomy episode. And, you know, yeah. like different... And I know we've talked about this for quite some time, but... Yeah, but listen. This is, this is a lot, a lot of work. When I tell people how much, like how mm-hmm. many hours go into like one episode, they're like, how the hell do you do that for free just like in your spare time? Well, because here's the thing. We jumped in headfirst and we do a weekly long form podcast. Which (laughs) you really just want, yeah. Typically is not the way people. I, so in looking at monetizing, Mm -hmm. I have been, you know, watching these like how to earn money doing a podcast kind of things. Right. And (laughs) they're like, yeah, so start small and, and do like. 30 minute episodes. We won't be doing and, that. And build a build a platform from there and Yeah, you two you don't start light. We no, don't sorry, we're, we're really gonna, bad at that. Hey, if we're gonna play the game, we're gonna play to win, okay? Listen, I told um someone who ha- has done a lot of like big time stuffy stuff, right? That <laughs> I don't know how to qualify it. That we have done a podcast. For an entire year, put out content mm-hmm. every single week. I think there was just one week where we did There's only it. one week we didn't release an episode. Right. There is still technically an episode listed, and it is numbered and included, but it's like so, a minute and a half. Of you just being like, we're There's so no sorry, episode, the I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so technically. There is an episode, there is content. Um, I did edit it. Yeah. It's got all of our sound true. cues. Yeah. Um... And we did that for free. And they were like, how in the fuck? Congratulations, because damn. Yeah. I'm like, well, you know, if there's a thing that Drake and I do that we have, it's it's the gay audacity. The <laughs> absolute. Uh, yeah. It's the gay audacity. Um, so please subscribe. Um, it'll be about half of our episodes moving forward will be behind a paywall they're all worth it they're all good we're gonna try really really hard not to do any two-parters that end up kind of broken up between between the paywall no we hate we to do that to you guys we're we gonna try really hard that. not to do that um we don't really do two-parters anymore though no you don't now that you said that it's got me freaked out because it, usually as soon as we say something like that <laughs> then, then it there's happens. a two-banger yeah, yeah. So hopefully that doesn't happen, um, but please do subscribe. Please tell your friends. Um, you, c- you can subscribe right on the Spotify app. Um, and please do listen all the way through our ads, and even though you might find them annoying, it's good for us, and we love you. And if you love us, and you're not a homophobe, because, oh, no, wait, it's not Pride Month anymore. Technically, we're recording during Pride Month because time travel is real. That it is. Um, but it's still a gay podcast, so if you don't listen to our ads, you're a homophobe. <laughs> What's our hint? 
Yeah, let's dive into this book. Did we even say your first name? No, I am Haley. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that this entire time, and I was like, I don't think. My entire personality is being an educator, though, so like. Yeah, so you're, you're Miss Fish? I am Miss Fish. Fish. What do you teach? I teach the chemistry. The chemistry. Because I want to be the favorite kid. <laughs> because your mom is also because my mom was a high Miss school Fish, chemistry the chemistry teacher. teacher yes, so. Yeah. Yes. Yes. What a it's a good thing. legacy, though. She was a bomb ass chemistry. teacher. I know, but you will not catch me doing that. <laughs> where she did it. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 <laughs> we don't gotta do that. Um. Yes. So this film, the hint is chicken on a stick. Chicken mm. on a stick. Chicken on a stick. You ever had chicken on a stick? Yes. I've had chicken and waffles on a stick, actually. Oh my god, that sounds That sounds so fuck. fucking good. The Minnesota State Fair really pops off, let me tell you. Man. We should go to the State Fair. I We, yeah. Alright, put it on the list. Oh god. We'll go to the State Fair, but first, let's talk about... <laughs> chicken on a stick uh, is the... Shitty, shitty name. Name that one of the characters comes up with for his jazz club... We're talking about the 2016 film La La Land. La La Land. I think... Um, <laughs> Guys, we can't do that anymore. We're monetized. Son of a bitch! <laughs> we'll call it parody. It's parody. They got it's parody. me. They got me. They got me, gal. They really did. Um. Yeah. So... <laughs> this is your first time. <laughs> do I make you nervous? Oh, my God. It's our first monetized episode. Everything's new again. Oh my god, it's terrible. Anyway. What about this movie, Ben? This movie. Well, it's because we didn't go over the things that we usually go over before we do the thing. We've been doing it for a year. I don't care. <laughs> um, you got me out of my routine. You can't do that with someone with the, with the um, mental razzle-dazzle that I have. Anyway, uh, this film was released December 9th, 2016. It was directed by, directed and written, fun fact, by mm-hmm. Damien Chazelle. Chazelle! <laughs> okay, real quick. I was listening to a podcast uh, where James Marston was getting interviewed and he was like, someone said, yeah, you're really famous. And he's like, I'm not famous. That's my favorite thing about him. Are you fucking stupid? The amount of times recently that I've heard from people on podcasts that are like big time, big name people, Mm -hmm. they're just like, I'm not famous. I'm like maybe moderately famous. It's really good for your public image to be humble though, which is why we will never succeed. It's so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Damien uh, Chazelle, he wrote Whiplash. Did you see Whiplash? That's the roller derby one, right? No, this is, you would think. <laughs> um, no, this is actually a musician, drummer, jazz band movie. No. Very different. Okay, 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 okay. Um, of course, I have a music degree, so I had to watch it. Yeah. It yeah. was a part of the, yeah. Uh, cinematography by Linus Sandgren. Music by Justin Hurwitz. Lyrics by Pasek and Paul. I can't talk today. Um, which, by the way, Justin pops off. He really does. Because usually, Pasek and Paul, I'm like, hey, you guys, your lyrics are fucking phenomenal. And maybe if I could hear them in the balance, mm. maybe I'd be like, oh, wow, look at these lyrics. They're wonderful. But I think the most memorable shit from this movie is, in fact, Justin's. More on that later. All right. The cast. 
We've got Ryan Gosling. And for what? Playing Seb Wilder. Good old Sebastian. So what's interesting here is that Beauty and the Beast is going to come up with these first two folks. He turned down the role of the Beast. Good. To do this movie. Terrible. Good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And Emma Watson was originally going to, had auditioned and was offered for Mia, the female lead. Mm Mm-hmm. But turned it down to go be Belle. Oh, that's so funny. So they swapped movies. Yeah. Um, and of course, it is the Emma Stone playing Mia Dolan. I adore her. Which is our leading leading gal here. We've got John Legend as Keith. What a weird time. He's a pop star that I didn't anticipate doing a movie musical in any capacity. Yeah. Yeah. At the time. At the time. Especially I think, at the time. At the time. Yeah. No. It was such a like, weird choice. Now, seven years later, I think it's an obvious choice. Sure, because yeah. he's kind of moved past his music career, and he's you know yeah. raising a family, and you know, I-, I feel like now would be a much more reasonable, it would be a much more reasonable career choice. But in 2016, it was like, it's kind wow. Of random. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like you're John all Legend. anybody can talk about. Right now, and like, and you're gonna do this weird Pasek and and Pasek and Paul weren't like Pasek and Paul yet. Mm-hmm. Like they weren't even listed. Of course, fun not. fact: I had to like look. I was right. like doing research stuff, and then I was like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> right, and now they've like made a name for themselves in the industry and are like out here revolutionizing this the musical theater sound. But like at the time, they weren't anything to shake a stick at. It was just, just a weird amalgamation of people here. Yeah. Um, but he plays Keith, which is an old friend of Seb. How do you feel about Seb as a shortening for Sebastian? Hate it. I... Yeah. I do, in fact, call him Sebastian in all of my notes. Oh, I call him Seb and everything. I, I think I just it. refer to him as Ryan in all of my notes. <laughs> <laughs> icon. Icon. Okay. Your um, notes are so much more organized than mine. And mine aren't even complicated. Educator. <laughs> I can't read them, though. <laughs> Again, <laughs> um, J.K. Simmons is Bill. He's the owner of the restaurant. Oh, 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 J.K. Simmons from like NCIS. Yes. Yes, and also yeah, Whiplash. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Fun nice. fact, he yeah. plays the, ed- the, like, the so, main educator. In... So he's in this movie because he has a relationship with the writer. Oh, probably. All right. Well, good for him. I mean, because he's just there for like a hot minute. I mean, then... the entire thing is about who you know, right? Right. Yeah. Um, we've got Rosemary. DeWitt as Laura Wilder, sister of Seb. Mm-hmm. Finn Whitrock as Greg, boyfriend of Mia. Not that any of these people actually matter. No, they're just eye candy <laughs> really additions. To no, I mean... <laughs> Who are these people? Callie Hernandez as Tracy. Um, Sonia Mitsuno as Caitlin. And Jessica Roth as Alexis. And all three of those gals are the roommates of Mia. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. Um... Tom Everett Scott as David? I don't know who David Dr. is. Dr. Scott! Scott! <laughs> <laughs> um, Amy Khan as the famous actress. Oh, of course. Of course, of course, of course. Naturally. Naturally, yes. <laughs> um, Anna Chazelle as Sarah. Chazelle! <laughs> Josh Pence as Josh. Oh, okay. Megan Fay as Mia's mom. Damon Gupton. <laughs> the queen is coming. We're really, we're really losing the plot here, gang. Uh, Jason Fuchs? Fuchs? 
F-U-C-H-S. Fucks. <laughs> that was right. It might actually be what it is. I was trying to avoid it. Damon Fuck. No, it's Jason. Jason Fucks. Uh, as Carlo. Oh Carlo, you're in, Carlo you're in this movie. He's passed out. <laughs> Love that journey for him, yeah. honestly, though. Uh, Marius DeVries as Clyde. Again, okay. whoever, whoever that, that is. is. Production for this one. So the original concept for this film came about with Justin Hurwitz and um, Giselle. I'm going to say Giselle. <laughs> time. Um, when they had to do a short film when they were in college at Harvard University. Oh, fancy. Um, they explored the concept through their senior thesis, which was about a Boston jazz musician, and it was called Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench. Terrible name. I kind of liked it. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than La La Land, which I find horribly pretentious. Yeah. Um, so they took the style and tone of the films like The Umbrellas of uh, Cherbourg, Schaumburg? Sure, Cherbourg. Cherbourg. Um, and the young girls of Rockford, um, and also was heavily influenced visually by things like Singing in the Rain, which you can fucking tell. Uh, yeah. In American talk in about, Paris, again, you can tell. We're going to talk about the MGM of it all. Oh, God, yeah. And the band, the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes, the bandwagon. The bandwagon. <laughs> the review for this, for this, holy shit, Batman. The budget, okay? They get 30 mil. To make it? To make it. Jeez. Yeah. Um, originally, he wrote this years before this. Sure. And the only reason that this even came close to being optioned at all was because of the success of Whiplash. Oh, okay. Because that came out in 2014, I believe. Okay. okay. So someone like saw his work and was like, hey, we want to give you another film. What do you got? Yeah. And he's like... Nice. Girl, I got this. Hello. <laughs> Just you fucking watch. So, budget of 30 mil. The box office for this? 447.4 million dollars. I saw it like three times in theaters. I was going to say, I remember when this hit the theaters and I it was like... I never saw it. Uh, did you not really? Until this watch. Oh my God. <laughs> How? <laughs> How is that possible? Just because I haven't. That's wild to me. I went I, at I least know. twice in theaters. I was watching. I was watching, and I was like, "I really didn't fucking see this when this came." Out. Yeah, yeah. This was all Wait, anybody could talk about in 2016. Fall of 2016. Mmm. No, I know what I was doing. Were you hella depressed? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> she had the big sad. The big I was, sad. I this was, was the big year. This was the big year where I dropped out of college and, yeah, and yeah, needed yeah. medical attention. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I was in the fall of 2016, <laughs> not watching La La Land. Okay, anyway. Fair. Well, I was teaching show choir at the time, so there was <gasps> no like physical way for me to miss this movie. <laughs> no, God, no. Um, The awards for this fucking thing are outrageous long and vast so at the golden globes um it had received seven nominations and won all of them for best picture musical or comedy best director best actor for gosling um best actress for stone best screenplay best original score um best original song for city of stars i feel 
that's a choice. Um, and this broke the record for most wins in one night. And the movie... That's awful. <laughs> well, the movie that had this before it was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. See, that's a movie that deserves praise. Yeah. That's from like a long while ago, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, the Academy Awards. They got six awards. Um, Best Director, Actress for Stone, Cinematography, Original Score, Original Song for City of Stars, Best Production Design, but it had a total of 14 nominations. Gemini Christmas. Which uh, tied the record for most nominations by a single film with All About Eve from 1950 and Titanic this from is... 97. All right. Wow. Spoiler alert, I didn't like this. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you exactly why over the course of the next two hours. <laughs> yeah. So this was also nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor for Gosling, um, Original Screenplay, Film <laughs> Editing, know. Costume Design. All right. So some of the design nominations and awards, I can understand. Oh, yeah. yes. Those, are, uh, there's Personally, a lot of really yes. great cinematography. There's a lot of really great direction. There's a lot of really great design elements. It's not a good musical. No, God, no. But it is a, it is a pretty dazzling movie. True. True. Oh, God, yes. Yes, 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 yes. More on that later. Um, this actually also... There was a second song nominated for Best Original Song, and it was Audition. Fair. Yeah. Um, because that song is spectacular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. It, they also were nominated for Best Sound Editing and Best Sound Mixing, which... That is fair. Some of that is... <laughs> Some of those I agree with. Anyway. Um, and of course, there is the infamous thing that happened at the Oscars... Uh huh. Where this film was announced as winning the best picture, and while people were up on stage giving speeches, they were like, "It fucking wasn't. It was actually Moonlight." I they remember... got a wrong card, and it was the same card from when Emma Stone won her award for best actress. I remember watching this happen. And during the your award show entire live. body just clenched. Yeah. Oh my god. And it was like an it was they were it was two white presenters. Mm-hmm. And they quote unquote wrongly announced the title of this white, white, white musical about a Carl white, white, white pissed. industry. He does, he remembers. Spicy. <laughs> and they like stomped all over this win for Moonlight, which is like a queer black love story. And everybody was like yeah, Carlo, you tell him all fucking about it. Yeah. Mad. Mad. Big mad. Carlo hates racism. Don't we all? Here, here. And I remember it being such a scary moment because, like, it was it was just, I mean, the industry is so inherently racist, like, because of what it's built on and, the in, like, the history of it. What? Oh, my God. I know. No I, yeah, way. We, I, we never talk about that on the pod, so I know that's news to everybody, but... It was. Ju- I remember seeing it happen live during the award ceremony, and I was like, "Oh my god, we are going to hear about this in every race studies class till Forever. we die." Oh god, yeah. It was so awful. Speaking of, would you like to hear some reviews for it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, lay it on me. So Peter Travers of Rolling Stone um, said, "La La Land does nothing less than 
jolt the movie musical to life for the 21st century. I had a major issue with that. (laughs) Specifically because they said for the 21st century. Mama, we already at this point had Chicago. We fucking had Hairspray. My God, I have Rob Marshall on the phone. He sounds pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Listen listen here, Peter Travers of Rolling Stone. You're wrong. La La Land, please. We're living firmly in the Renaissance. Yeah, at this point. Of the movie musical. And La La Land has a lot of people to thank. You have exhilarate. <laughs> you leave exhilarated by Damien Chazelle's nonstop in inventiveness. Um, was yeah. it inventive or did he just? Well, let's, anyway, let's find out. Dazzled <laughs> by Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, and thrilled how they made movies magic again. Uh, I agree with maybe like forty percent of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. Kyle Smith from the New York Post said. La La Land deserves credit for high spirits, even if it's essentially a collection of glamorous throwback music videos for so-so songs. <laughs> Vicious but accurate. Uh-huh. Uh, Joe Morganson of Wall Street Journal said, I'm hoping that La La Land will be a hit for the ages, for all ages. It's a film that reenacts with rare originality, a classic role for the movie medium. Escapist entertainment in troubled times. Well, it seems like we are going to have some big opinions today. Yeah. Oh, I came uh, ready. Yes. <laughs> uh, Owen Gleberman of Variety said, the most audacious auda- yeah, audacious big screen musical in a long time. And irony of ironies, that's because it's the most traditional. I, okay. I don't, that's... A long, t- a long time? Do you mean eight years? Because again... Yeah. yeah. Is Frozen not a movie musical? It One. is, but these whores don't count as one. <laughs> they never count animation because the whole Academy Award, like any every award show shits on animated stuff. Yeah. Um, and then this last one, which I appreciated, Noah Gittle from The Guardian said, when the story of the year in cinema is written, we may say that La La Land peaked too early or that it was the right film at the wrong time. Or that it's other, or that it's other less political criticisms. The story is a little thin. The characters don't particularly sing or dance very well, and it may be just too self-indulgent for its own good. Wow, that's maybe the most accurate one. I like that. Yeah, I really like that one. I really went searching after a while because I was like, no, I want something that's more. Well, because again, this was such a phenomenon when it happened that so many of the reviews were like, it's the best thing that's ever happened to cinema. And it's a lot of what I started to see trending wise when you're looking at dates of it. Uh It's like for the first few weeks, people were really, really popping off, super jazzed about it. And then it just kind of like died, fell really fucking hard. Yeah. Mm hmm. Well, let's see where it lands here today. So it was never a musical, although there is a a live production in the works that was announced on February 7th of this year. So that's news. Uh, Who knows if it'll happen? I don't really care if it does or not. Um, There was also a drag review based on the, uh, the show within the show, The So Long Boulder City. There's a drag review parody of that where a drag queen plays Mia's character and does a one one woman show. And parodies, I think, songs from La La Land. So Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. That's the extent of the live show. Uh, let's talk about how much we hated this. Uh, 
let's dive into some plot biddies. I don't want to, but we have to. We gotta. First off, I want to note that this is shot via Cinemascope. And they have a whole like title sequence thing where it kind of spans out and they have the words uh, in Cinemascope. Yes. I love that moment um, because I think it sets the scene for a lot of what we're about to experience in that uh, if you aren't already aware of all like the references that they're about to make in the industry that they're intentionally parodying and reframing then you're going to miss a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. and it's not going to it's not going to all read the same way like you're just going to be missing out on the thought behind a certain camera angle or a certain sequence or whatever um and i think this like cinemascope moment kind of like sets the groundwork for that right off the top and for our listeners at home cinemascope was really only used between 1953 and 1967 and then it kind of fell off and has only really been used for things like this where it's more so creating nostalgia or it's right you know it's become sort of film a, to be a very specific yeah yeah viewpoint. it's become a very specific tool to create a very specific atmosphere yes and i like that we take the the time to like not it's not just filmed in cinemascope they like let us know yeah i think that's smart yes um, oh my god, we're in LA traffic. Gross. <laughs> uh, with various types of music as we're passing by certain, uh, by different cars, and I think that that's smart. We get the song, Another Day of Sun. I was going to start singing it, but I can't because we're monetized. <laughs> you can sing... I think it's 10 seconds. Unless it's Disney. Then we don't dare. No. Never dare with Disney. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think it's... Looking I, at you, Ron. And then I th- <laughs> think that, like, a song pattern that you can use is seven notes. Seven notes? Seven consecutive notes. Yeah, I'm sure if we looked into the lawsuits, it's probably really specifically laid out. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Done. Anyway. <laughs> that one. Uh, we get a bunch of hopeful performers and traffic mm-hmm. coming yeah, out of the cars. Yeah. Which, by the way... Um, you don't see these fucking people ever again. No. That's, are, that does kind of bother me. It bothered it me too. It really irritated me because Even I it's just think, like extras or like like at the table next to another character at some point in the movie, like anywhere else in the movie, just wants to see them, but we don't. I, mm, the one thing that I don't know is if they were then used in the very final thing. There's no singing, but there's a lot of dancing that happens at the very end. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway. Um, they all look like they're dressed uh, to go to a senior showcase circa 2014. They're jewel tones. Yeah, the monochrome. The jewel tone dresses and the, yeah, I mean, it looks like everyone's dressed for their headshot. Not a pattern in sight, though. <laughs> Not no. a one. <laughs> no, it's no, no. It's all solids. Um, and it's essentially, the song is about, well... If things go to shit today and I don't have any money, at least we get another sunny day outside. Right. Another hopeful day, another, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the second most memorable. I think this is actually the most memorable song from this. Um, or known. Yeah, probably. Yeah. probably no, not, not, you know, but known. And then I think the second one is the next one that will be coming up, which is someone in the crowd. Again, mm-hmm. I have seen so many show choir medleys of this. So my, my version of what is popular from this movie is very biased. That's and, fair. <laughs> and notice how um, neither one of the leads kind of sings in one of them. But notice. Yeah. Well, 
notice with me, friends. There is a certain, uh, I want to call it a a dearth of content (laughs) from either of our romantic leads in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's just just a hole where their talent should be. Um, So... So this movie kind of spans over the seasons, right? So the first season up we got is winter. Um, After this number, we see Seb in his car constantly rewinding a jazz tape to hear a specific piano lick. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mia in her car, which is right in front of him, Reading reading lines and working on running that. Um, she doesn't fucking move. He whips around to the side of her, flips her off, drives off. Mia's at work and she, there seems to be this thing where she must be somewhere where there are movie stars happening all the time. We find out later that she's in a coffee shop that's on the Warner Brothers lot. Right. Um, but she is leaving for an audition and she runs into some guy and just gets fucking doused in coffee right yeah. before her audition. R.I.P. Homie. I want to circle back for a second. Who is that actress supposed to be? Which oh, one? The oh, the, fa- the quote unquote famous actress who comes in like no idea. I have no clue. That has been a bother in my life since 2016. <laughs> like who, who the actress is? Like who is or like she's supposed, she's to supposed to be? Who she's supposed to be? Like in the movie? Like to me. It was giving very much, if we are thinking about Cinemascope, Golden Age, that kind of thing, to me, I was like, oh, sunglasses, Audrey Hepburn. Oh, sure. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Not that I that mean, is Audrey Hepburn like because a modern of the timeline. Day Audrey, yeah. Yeah. yeah, at the yeah. very least, like a reference. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we do this pod. Um... <laughs> So she's leaving for an audition and gets coffee all over her. She's at the audition, right? She's in her full-on winter coat. Who in LA her. owns a winter coat? I know. No one. Well, she's from the Midwest, though. She's, she's from Nevada. Col- they have snow in Nevada? Maybe <laughs> northern Nevada? I don't- yeah, don't they have like... Oh, no, I'm thinking Utah. I was like, "What? Don't they have like the Isn't Salt she Lake in and like Boulder?" No, her aunt lived in Boulder. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm so, glad, I'm so glad I know so much about this movie as the one who writes down the plot. <laughs> so she's wearing a winter coat that she inexplicably owns. Yes, and she is really just fucking giving it her all in this I goddamn mean, audition. Here's the thing, Emma Stone is a breathtaking actress. She really she's is. She's great. She's and she's got the range, she's got the skills. I think she's great. I think Emma Stone could EGOT in our lifetime. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> I think it could happen. Did you guys see clips of anything when she did um, when she did Cabaret when she was? No, no. She was great. If we have a re- like I a movie. Wonder what happened here. Uh, well, I think um, I think Cabaret happened for her after this movie. I saw in 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 the research thing that it happened before this. Well, that's truly and disappointing. And that's why... Oh, no, you're right, because I remember... Considered... I remember there being a controversy about her being cast, because everyone was like, Emma Stone doesn't even sing. And the people were like, you're wrong. Here she is in Cabaret. I think Cabaret must have been like 2014. 
Yeah, that would make sense. I do remember that. There we go. There we I, go. I think it could happen for her. I think the Grammy might be a little tricky, but I think she could EGOT. The, the Grammy would be something like her reading her autobiography. Um, yeah, yeah, like an know. audiobook. Or like I could see her doing like like a comedy special and getting a, a Grammy for it because that category is small. <laughs> it is. It is. It's small. Um, she could EGOT, though. I have faith. Um, take some working. Um... <laughs> But her audition is interrupted, like, in the middle of it. Yeah, she's, like, getting to the climax of a Of, of whatever a that scene is. She's going to yeah. be, like, fucking sobbing on the phone here in a and second. And there's someone behind her trying to, trying to like, get a message to the people in front of Emma auditioning. Mm-hmm. Like, hosting the audition. And she's trying... There's a woman behind... It's a whole thing. And she's, like, so caught up in her feelings. Like, absolutely giving it to these folks. And they just don't care. Um, so... Her inspiration for this scene was an audition that she actually went on, and they, like, in the middle of her audition, answered their phone and started talking about their lunch plans. Yeah, because the industry is awful. Yeah. The industry sucks. This happened to me during an audition for a college. Yeah. They were like, oh, how was your summer? How was da-da-da? And I'm, like, singing French, just like... Yeah. And that was because they had already decided to uh, accept me in and I just had to go through this process as or whatever. A, as a formality. That's all fine and good, but the reality of the industry but is I was that like, you're going to probably what the fuck? Yeah, you're going to you're going to probably work really hard on something and pour your heart out in front of people who just don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've already got some A-lister on on the list, but they have to audition as a formality or the studio has decided to greenlight somebody else and this is you know Certain equity rules mean you can't cancel auditions uh, within a certain time period. I mean, it, it's all... The industry sucks. Mm-hmm. And this happens to people all the time. Yeah. Um, so she's like, oh, well, fuck me. Okay. And heads home. Yeah. Where we see this wondrous apartment. Stunning. Obsessed with this apartment. Obsessed. The styling, specifically the interiors of this film, are just... Yeah. Yeah, there's some so really delicious. some really insane scenic design choices. Mm-hmm. She's in this bathroom, and the bathroom is like pinks and greens, and the shower curtain. I would Speaks like the shower. Me. I would like the shower curtain. <laughs> did I you might, have a spiritual moment with the I shower really curtain? Did, actually, <laughs> it's like it's like pink, and then like it's got like is it like it's like embroidered, right? Almost, yeah, and it's so and it's like red stunning. Um, She comes out and this entire time I'm like, she lives in this apartment by herself in LA. As an actress? Slash barista? As someone who is, yeah, is a barista. (laughs) Really, because like... She's a working actress. (laughs) (laughs) But Um, psych, she has three roommates. There's four of them in this apartment. So they slowly come pouring in and we get the number someone in the crowd. Because... They're all supposed to go to some party together, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Mia's like, no, I'm have, not gonna... I have to work. On what? Yeah, girl. Literally fucking nothing. Literally nothing. And so their whole thing is like, okay, you need to go to these things. Because there might be some random fucking person that meets you and finds you charming or thinks you have a certain look or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when they're doing casting later, they're going to be like, hey, I met this girl at this party. We should give her a call. I want to see her for this thing. Mm-hmm. I want to... Networking, Networking is the backbone of the industry because you can be talented. We're all talented. Get over it. It's about who you know. Yeah. 
That's not how it should be. But it is. But it is how it is. Mm -hmm. So put on your cute little dress and your character heels that make your feet hurt and get out there. (laughs) Yeah. And we are moving through this apartment while we're doing this and just coming across the patterns in the apartment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. The colors and yeah. One of the walls has like a mural of of an actress on it. Yeah, that's, like, in uh, Mia's bedroom. Love. And there's, like, the this green uh, vertically striped wall mm, mm-hmm. that I just love. And each room has its own lighting. Like, one room has, like, a blue <laughs> lighting. One has, like, more yellowish lighting. Yeah. And it just... It's stunning. The lighting in this goddamn movie... The lighting is There's a reason really it went at won awards. Yeah. Like, fuck. Those awards make sense to <laughs> those me. Those awards yes. make loads of fucking sense to me. <clears throat> I also love the iconic four dresses that they have in this number. It became sort of like the hallmark, right, of this. Whenever you saw something La La Land inspired, you always see those four dresses. Love it. They're heading off to the party because she's Before decided. they leave the apartment, one of the girls whispers the phrase, someone in the crowd, and she breaks the fourth wall and goes, looks right at me. in the crowd. She winks, right? Yeah, she yeah. does. Ooh. <laughs> I hate There's it. There's a few four wall, f- fourth wall breaks. Four wall break? I haven't hated a fourth wall break on the pod here in a minute. I hated this. Because you're the someone in the crowd winking no, I face audience hate members. It. That 100% is the intention. <laughs> oh, I hate fuck it. Yeah, I hate it. Because we're like, we're heightening the world and finally getting into like a good production number. And then they just, they just smash it to pieces. They look right at me. Yeah. Soiled it. Soiled it. Hated it. So. Now they're walking down the streets. Yeah, because, oh my God, Mia's decided... I'm gonna go. Just kidding. I am. But not in the blue dress that her roommates pulled out of the closet earlier in the scene. (laughs) No. You're right. It's not even remotely (laughs) the same dress. Because they had like a whole fucking conversation about that dress. And like, oh my god, you stole this? How long have you had this? Eight months? Oh my god. They're like, if you're gonna steal it, you have to wear it. And then she joins them on the street in a cobalt blue dress. That is, is stunning. It is. It's a gorgeous dress. I love it. With like the little like chiffon halter and like it's. It's great. It is not the dress they held up. <laughs> no. No, There's no, another no, no. really funny dress moment on the street here where, like, all the girls grab their skirts and kind of, like, swish them back and forth. Like, kind of like uh, like they do in, like, um, in, uh, in America from West Side Story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They have, like, a little swoopy dress moment. But the girl in the yellow dress, her dress is just, like, a tube dress with fringe. And she grabs just, like, fistfuls of the fringe and just, like spins it around while they twirl their skirts. That to me is giving very much so like they had different choreography planned. Emma Stone couldn't do the choreo that they were given. Had oh. to change it and they're like, "Well, you're in this fucking dress, so here we go. Figure Good it luck. out." Yeah, yeah. It seems for the amount of money that was spent on this, it seems like and for how on point all the other design aspects are. Right. That moment stood out to me so hard where I was like, "Girl, what Couldn't we have... Like, why are you in a tube dress? This dress would have been just as effective with a full skirt with fringe. Yeah. There is no reason it had to be this way. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. But it was, and I cackled. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, also in this moment, I'm looking and I'm like, okay, so... 
I don't know. I tried to look up what these other gals had done. They had done other acting things. I didn't see any stage stuff or things like that. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't much on them, to be honest with you. I will say this is the first part where I wrote a note that says, I'm not dazzled by the singing. No. Of any of those girls. No. They strike me as film actresses. Yeah. Or dancers. Like dancers dancers who can sort of carry a tune. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And um, you can tell, though, that, like, Emma feels a little set apart from the rest of them visually Mm -hmm. when they're dancing. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of that, like, knowing, like, how to start and stop the energy of emotion Uh uh makes basic things like flipping your skirt. If you don't know how to do that or you're not doing it with the other people it's a simple move yes but the things that make those moves very sharp and clean yeah are are knowing when to start and stop movements right it's a it's a very obvious lack of training right because either either you needed to not have those harder points Mm -hmm. so that way they all looked more cohesive or someone needed a bit more yeah which I think probably underlines your your thought of like yeah. definitely trained dancers because they do punctuate their choreo really really effortlessly. And you can tell that through the entire scene when they're dancing. Yeah, to the absolutely. And, all that other stuff. and Emma does not. Ooh. She stands there in a towel. <laughs> Maybe that's very intentional. I. Well, um, but what's interesting too is that when it was looking up research stuff, people were like, she she danced palms. In high school or something like that. And she has a year of ballet training. That does not a seasoned trained dancer. Then I am just as qualified for that role. (laughs) Just as qualified. (laughs) Let's call them. My God. I think you're ready for your your film debut. La La Land 2? Sign me up. (laughs) La 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 Land. Ooh. I know. I'm here all week. (laughs) Not La La Land 2 Electric Boogaloo? No. No? No. No? Okay. Um, too la la, too land. <laughs> too la la, too land. Um, we're at the party. We and are at the party. Emma seems very, Mia, seems very done with all of this. And yeah. she goes to the bathroom and she has a moment. She comes back out. And all of these people are dancing in couples around her. But it's slow-mo. And it's actually very artsy and very cool. Yeah. I thought. I do like the slow-mo shot. Um, And then they get to like this pool area and everyone's frozen Someone jumps into the pool and everybody bursts to life. Yeah. The one thing, there's a couple of things I really love about this film, and I have a lot of negative things to say, but I do want to make sure we talk about the good things. Mm -hmm. The cinematography in this movie is so well done. Oh, fuck me sideways, yes. I'm going to say it a couple more times, but like this slow-mo shot into the pool, and then we have a shot from the pool that like kind of spins around the perimeter, and like there's like water on the lens, and there's choreo behind it. I like like that shot, but it's like, gives me like... Oopa Loopa's dancing in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory starring Johnny Depp. <laughs> like, it's that same type of, like, energy, but... No, I agree. It's, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. It's a good shot. It's just not my favorite. It's not, I agree that it's probably not utilized no. to its... Uh, Full potential. Yes, I agree, I agree. Yes. Um, but I do think it's a cool shot. I think maybe it was just a little overambitious. Yeah. Yeah. Um... From here, she's heading out. We see that her car is towed. 
Also, fuck her friends getting home, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, like... she just leaves her friends at the party. And she is walking and she hears a panano and is like, oh my God. I do really that? like these night shots. We've talked a lot on the pod about like how to properly shoot nighttime scenes so that you can actually see what's happening. And th- that happens throughout the film. This like, is, they do a very good yeah, job of that. This is so the, well done. Again, the lighting in this film. It's so colorful. Mm. Even these night shots are yeah. so richly colored with like various shades of blue and sometimes it's more purple depending on where she is. I mean, it, it's it's a great use of a night shot. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes. Um, and she walks walks into this bar restaurant after hearing this piano and is just in awe of this pianist and the lights you see like christmas decorations and stuff around the doorway yeah because it's vaguely christmas time yeah and it just kind of starts to dim the lights around everything except her it's like a really subtle crossfade that like highlights her almost in like a soft spotlight and it is yes it is so it's so slow in such a good way it's it's delicious. Oh, the lighting. The yes. lighting. <laughs> the lighting. Um, snap back to reality. Oh, oh there, there goes, goes gravity. gravity. Thank you. <laughs> uh, we are actually now all the way back to the traffic scene from before. Yeah, because... But we are now in Sebastian's POV. Because despite the fact that this was a short film prior to this and they had a million dollars to write it, we, all, we have a nonlinear plot. Yeah. Just for this one moment, though... I really thought more of this movie would be nonlinear after having this like weird loop around moment. But, no. but it's just the one time. This is not linear, <laughs> and then like the end does a weird loopy thing, but it's not this yeah. same loopy yeah. thing. Yeah. I guess that's fair. We do do one other nonlinear thing at the end, but like I expected it to be a motif that we do not revisit. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. So um, we meet we meet Seb. He is angrily having coffee across the street from some place and we're kind of beak yeah i think is what it's called and we're confused because we don't know yet he heads back to his apartment and there we meet his sister laura and we find out through converse the conversation between the two of them is that the place that he was looking at the van beak um is now a samba tapas place and how dare they samba and top us in one place. Like, I don't understand why he's so butthurt about that, honestly. I don't get it either, because yeah. I'm like... Because that's like... It's samba music and dancing. Aren't they, also like, culturally similar? Yeah. Wouldn't you kind of expect to be served tapas at a samba joint? Right, and this is a way of them showing, like, we do this kind of music, but also we serve food. Yeah. Are you are you cross googling right now I'm to make cross. sure we're not being culturally insensitive? Yes, <laughs> perfectly, perfect. I love so this. Samba, samba is Brazilian. Okay. Oh, okay. And tapas then would be Spanish. Yes. Like of Spain. Yeah, like of Spain. Yeah, Spanish cuisine. Okay. Okay, so so no no, but but at least they're in the same wheelhouse. Yeah. We shouldn't make excuses for people. We really shouldn't. <laughs> but it doesn't seem, I mean, as far as like... No, but later he talks about wanting to open up a jazz club and serve chicken. I don't know. I'm just saying. Like, he was like, I, I whatever. He... I will I will bring that point back 
<laughs> All right, we'll, we'll circle say, back. I think anyway. the Samba Tapas thing has more to do with like a grudge than it does with anything else. It, it is. I think he's fully just mad because he didn't happen for him. Because like, like honestly, I'd go to a Samba Tapas place. Oh, fuck I would yeah, too. I would. That sounds bomb. Do you guys want to get tapas after this? Say less. Um. We're not getting chicken on a stick, I'll tell you what. <laughs> so we find out that he got screwed over in some business deal, and his sister has someone for him to talk to. And so essentially all that we're getting from that is he's single and got fucked over one time. He's yeah. a single, broke musician. Yeah. He's a douchebag. Yeah. That also. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I pretty much hate Seb on, on first contact. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, I get that. Um, he reminded me of several people that I went to college with, but that's a different thing. Name, names, name, names. <laughs> um, so he goes to this club he's going to play at. And while, so he, I think he plays piano right before this too. And then it transitions. Um, so several places said that he, so he did learn how to play this type of piano. For the film? For this film. Sure. He worked between three and four months Mm -hmm. every single day to get this type of skill. There were no hand models used, no stand-ins, nothing. It was just him. People kept saying he had no previous experience. I would like to state (laughs) that he was in a band uh, called Dead Man's Bones. Fine. Him and a buddy of his. And they released an album in 2009, and he was listed as being piano, bass, guitar, um, and keyboard, so all separately. Piano and keyboard? Yeah, separately. Um, liar, yeah. liar, pants on fire. <laughs> so here's the thing, is that I'm like, that happened in 2009, this movie came out in 2016. Um, what? So you didn't learn from scratch? I don't believe so, unless he like... If he does all of his own playing in this movie, he obviously did have to learn how to how to play like jazz piano. And like he which does is a, a good skill. job. I mean, it's, yeah. Not anything to shake a stick at, but let's not pretend it came out of that nothing. That he had zero music background and... Like well, he and, was on Mil- Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Yeah, you mentioned he was a Mickey yeah. Mouse kid. Yeah. So he didn't have, he didn't have zero instrumental training whatsoever. Yeah. That's what, and that's what he's, they're like, he's done nothing before. Savant. My God. No, guys. He had the groundwork. Yeah. It was kind of obnoxious. Um, so he's in this club and fun fact, we see Bill. The only reason why I'm really going to mention him. He's the guy from Whiplash. If you've seen Whiplash. You keep mentioning this movie. I know. It's just. Neither of us have seen. Yeah. Somehow we have both seen La La Land before this, but you had it. But I saw the 2014 film Whiplash. Yeah. Um, again. Okay. Yeah. So. I think I saw the roller derby one. I think that's called Whip It. Oh my God. Right. Nailing it. Well, I saw that one, so I don't know. I don't know. And I didn't see that one. So here we are. Um. Different strokes for different folks. I guess. So he is supposed to be playing Christmas tunes at this place. And this Bill guy is like, absolutely no free jazz. You need to just stick to the Christmas tunes. Um, What a stupid thing to be. And he's like pissy about it. Sebastian is. Another reason he's a douchebag. Yeah. What a stupid thing to be pissy about. Sir, some of us struggle all of our lives to be able to make money doing it. what it is we love to do. Here someone is offering you a contract to play Christmas music and be paid for it. Play what you're contracted to play. 
And also, another thing that I will uh, state is that there are plenty of jazzy Christmas tunes. Oh my god, yeah. True. But he, like, fully doesn't even... He At one point, you he stops take... playing Christmas music yeah. and plays just, like, not even, like, a jazz standard. He plays a jazz original. It's, like, an original song of his. And it is Mia and Sebastian's theme. My for god. The, for, those of, for the film. For those of us, uh, yeah, for the film. Um, like, if you... If I asked you to come in and play Christmas music... Uh, for like atmospheric music in my little dive bar, whatever it is, and you rolled up with a an original jazz tune, I also would fire you. Okay, but the thing too is, is that very clearly he has a relationship with Bill. He has played for him before. That's why Bill is so fucking adamant about like, don't exactly. fucking do this. I need you to just play this. Um, also, if you are a jazz musician worth your lick, you can take any tune Keep it recognizable and make it jazz. Right. Bitch, yeah. swing it. I'm like, just saying. Especially Christmas music. It's been around for hundreds of years. And he uncomfortably straight played every single yeah. one of those. Oh, absolutely. They were so uncomfortable to listen to. And I love Christmas music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets shit canned. Um, but he tries to even like haggle with him at one point. Yeah, he he's like, like, no, no, no. So this so this is a warning. And he's like, no. No, you're fired. And he's like, no, 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 but it's Christmas. He's like, I'm well aware, uh, which is why I told you to play Christmas music and you didn't. Yeah. So again, he's all like, one for you, one, is... one for me. I'll play one for you and then I'll put, then I can play a jazz and then I'll play another. He was like, no, you're done playing tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm on. So it turns I'm on out, a, a, Bill, Bill's side. Yeah, Team Bill. <laughs> yeah, um, and he and that moment when he's like playing the Mia and Sebastian theme. Um, oh, here's where our timelines converge. Come back in. Yes. Yeah. He like we see her. The lighting like like pins down into a spotlight for just him. Um, he gets shit canned, and they run into each other and she was just like hey I just you're the guy yeah, from she before. tries to catch I him just, on the way out and she's and like, like say you're great and he's like fuck you breezes um, right past her I think he even shoulder checks her on the way out yeah. Yeah. hard yeah <laughs> uh, and then we see several little scenelets of Emma Stone auditioning for things like a medical drama yeah. a cop show a firefighter show. Yeah. Some teacher thing. A teacher thing. Yeah. Which all of it is just, okay, so she's continuing to go on auditions and not yeah, getting yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. She's auditioning for, like, walk-on roles and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's spring now. We're done with winter. Onward and forward into the spring of our lives. She's at another networking event, and she bumps into this guy who's her friend introduces them and she's like, Hey, this guy, his name's Carlo. Um, he is an up and coming, whatever. And then he just starts. Yeah. Yeah, He's a writer. He starts blabbering on and on about his writing and how people are, there's buzz. There's buzz. If people are talking about me, people are really excited about me. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't say I like that, but that's how I perceive that. that's, (laughs) That's fully the energy. Um, and Mia like totally blows him off and is just like, okay, great. I, are there drinks? And just like takes off. Yeah, just runs away. She wants to be a famous actress so bad, but she hates networking. Yeah. And Regardless of the area that you 
live your life, work your yeah. life, whatever. Career. That's there. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. The word. <laughs> um, networking is huge. It's so important. For any, any career. Any at like, all. How did you, you expect... How did you expect to do this, girl, if you weren't if you weren't going to network? Especially this. Especially this. Barbara Talent indeed alone. said people who need people. We are people who need people. I'm just saying. Come on. Pull it together. So at this party, there is an 80s cover band and they're playing Take On Me. And turns out uh, Sebastian is indeed the the pianist, the keyboardist. He is the keyboard. Yeah, he's a keyboard player here because he's got like one of those little... Keytar. Yeah, it looks like a like a Fisher Price keytar. Yeah. Um then, then he, this guy is like super into what he's doing. Not oh, their lead singer. The lead. Oh, yeah, their lead singer. He he's is just so into fucking it. in it. This is his dream, baby. It fully is. <laughs> and it, um he's like, Alright, any requests? And of course, Mia is like, Oh, I have one. I ran. So then they do the song, I ran. And the entire time she's like mouthing and dancing weird, like at Seb to get his attention and to be like, <laughs> thicker. Carlo. Oh. Listen, I know. This is <laughs> Carlo's opinion on 80s cover bands. You know what? I feel the exact same way. I think we all do in our yeah. heart of hearts. Yeah. Carlo James, lay down. <laughs> Carlo, we even name drop you in this episode, and you're going to behave like this? Yeah. He's like, you're shit talking my name. I'd never come at someone with that energy. Hey, come here. Yes, Father. All right, go on. Okay. Why are you so grumpy? Get the little bit. So they're on, the band's on break, and Mia and Sebastian start talking, and she's giving him shit for like, oh, I thought you were a serious pianist, and then you did this. Uh, and he's like, I am, I am a serious pianist. Blah, 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 blah. And you asked me to play I ran? What yeah. the hell? Which she's like outraged about, and I was like, is there something about that song that I don't know? It showcases his talent as a guitar player. <laughs> That's the issue. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's right, like, oh, enough. well, what, what do you do? Uh, and she talks about being an actress and whatever. And he's like, anything I would have seen you in? She's like, no. Well, no. He's like, well, what do you do? And she's like, well, I you might have seen me on the Warner Brothers lot as a barista. And then he says, barista? You're a, a barista? barista? You're a barista? I fucking hated that. There's something else that he says later that I also will discuss with you. And um, I wonder if it's like a character choice or it's just Ryan Gosling being Ryan bad. Gosling. I just being hated bad. it. Sorry. I just no. I just hated it. Um, and well. it, garbage, <laughs> trash. So they have a spat, disperse, and later on she's standing in line and Carlo is like bitching in her ear about like ah this that this that but that, and um. Seb is up by the keys and gonna leave. Mm-hmm. She's like, hey, can you grab my keys? George Michael. She goes, hey, George Michael. Yeah. <laughs> That's can I it, just yeah. say about the whole 80s thing that we do here? It goes on for too long. It's like too much. It's too much. There's like four 80s songs in a row in the middle of this like old Hollywood style uh, nostalgia Gorgeous movie. house. 
Stunning home. Yeah, stunning home. Again, I mean, the scenic work. Yeah. The scenic oh, work, yeah. work is everything. Oh, fuck yeah. But I just found it odd. It was a weird little blip, and it's fine if you use a song to, like, set a scene or establish a, establish a whatever, but it's, like, like four songs. Like, if you wanted songs. to take the end of Take On Me and be, like, close it out, oh my god, he's in an 80s band, who wants to hear what? And then she says the... I want to hear this. And then they start playing and then he's like looking at her irritated and then snap to next conversation. But we don't. There's like two whole other covers that play underneath the rest of this scene. Yeah. And I think there's even one still happening in the background like while this scene happens, while she gets her keys. Just, it's just too much. Yeah. So and it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit at all. No. So they, um, he's going to walk her to her car and we get the number a lovely night. So fun fact about this number is that you see the entire like skyline and stuff in the background. Beautiful. Stunning. This, uh, is natural lighting. No, it's not. It fucking is. It was shot on the hill. Yeah. Shut up. Um, God's yeah. favorite scene in this movie, probably. That's, I mean... It's, I mean, my God, it has to be. Um, this was shot two nights, because this is during that, like, sweet little golden hour that she got. Shot over two nights, eight takes, they got it, and, like, I, I read in um, an interview that they were, like, the team and everyone just erupted as soon as they did it perfectly. Well, of course. Why wouldn't you? Because can you imagine, like, okay, we know for a fact that this is going to take some fucking time because there's only a specific time yeah. window that we can do You don't have that lighting in. for long, yeah. Right. No. We have 45 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> and they got it on the second night. That's insane. Yeah. Um, we also... She, like, takes off her heels and then puts on tap shoes. And they are matching shoes. Yeah, they match his shoes. Which I don't like. Carlo hates it, too. Thank Tell you. Tell us all about it. Um, and the singing... Less than... Less than ideal. Desirable. Ryan Gosling can't finish a phrase on pitch to save his life. Which is so, so awful. It's this thing where I was, I went then and listened to, because first of all, I didn't think for most of their songs together, I did not think the vocal balance was... Good? Well, <laughs> you could to me, I couldn't really hear the vocals compared to the orchestra underneath. Yeah, yeah. so... The scoring in this film is, and I think maybe that's why I like the '80s thing really bothers me so much because so much of this score is so incredibly well done. Oh God, yeah. But it also pops over like literally everything. Well, and there's like the first number, it really doesn't. The second number, it doesn't. It's these middle numbers, and then like part part of the end number you mean all the stuff that the leads do yeah which is fucking frustrating yeah i Um, think it it could be very intentional because uh, again ryan doesn't sing very well here and emma sings but she has this really breathy quality to her voice and you can you can tell that there's technique and training present 
it's, it's just not like supported. A, yeah, it's like a lack of follow through. Yeah. And I don't know if they did that for her tone to better match his. That's what I worry is that they, they were like, hey, we need you. Like, you're coming off a bit brassy. You're coming off a bit polished. Like, we need you to, well, you know what I, I mean? Like, is I that listened... what that breathy quality is? Is her trying not to, like... Do too much. Yeah. But I then went and listened to the soundtrack, just like a little snippet of this song specifically, because mm-hmm. I wanted to hear what it what the balance was. The balance was better. Mm-hmm. And... I enjoyed the breath equality and the stuff that she had in this number with that new balance, though. Interesting. Mm. I wonder then if that's maybe a, a, a thing about, like, mixing between, like, a theater release and a, and a DVD or a Blu-ray release. Maybe. If there's a difference because the sound systems are, are so different. aggressively different. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Um, and his was giving very much so... Um, oh my god, the star quarterback came on audition for the musical. <laughs> also, how the fuck was he offered the role of Beast? Well, as you know, they pretty heavily auto-tuned that movie. I don't think they were afraid of what people sounded like for oh, that movie. That's very true, that's but you know what I mean. Yeah. I just, I, yeah, anyway. They auto-tuned Audra McDonald. I don't think they had high standards that's in that very, movie. That's very true. Um, And this is that a tap number which was fine <laughs> again this is all very like the tap sequence here gives very big like six-year-old showing you a thing they just learned how I'm, to do I'm vibes say it. the big gay musical that we watched yeah the dancing and singing in that way better than this uh, substantially <laughs> you know how stupid that movie was but in that very. movie you had trained dancers and in here you have people who are not trained dancers trying to emulate but the, that's what I mean. Like, they're trying yeah. to emulate like singing in the rain, you know. Like that's that's the saw, oh, that's the fuck. motif. Do you think after. that's why she has a yellow dress on? Yes, oh, almost certainly. Okay. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, that just yeah. came to my brain. <laughs> um, the thing too is, as I saw somewhere, and I'm trying to fucking remember where this was, and I wish I would have put it in my notes. I saw some, and I believe it was the director that was like Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone are one of the only I'm going to misquote him and just know that I'm misquoting him but vaguely one of the only like old Hollywood type casting couples that there are anymore oh please like how like how there was like Ginger Rogers Fred Astaire there was you know Gene Kelly and there was like all of these kinds of people that were typically paired together and they're like he's like ah this is like that they're like today's version of that and i'm like they're not this was the third film that they um and their chemistry is awful in this movie because it's better when they're dancing compared to like when they're acting in a scene together like they're they have more chemistry dancing but like this yeah their third movie together and it's just their worst movie together chemistry wise yeah it's a a crazy stupid love is that the first one that's the first one 2011 five five years prior fabulous chemistry in that movie i thought they had great chemistry in that and i don't know what the fuck happened here there's like a a bit towards the end there's some that you see when i think that they when they're not talking when they're not talking (laughs) when they're not talking well, let's address the elephant in the room. This is a Pasek and Paul musical. 
and all Pasek and Paul projects share the Pasek and Paul problem. Beautifully scored, incredibly shot, exciting casting, even if it doesn't necessarily hold up, but the book is bad. Right, which was written, <laughs> which was written by Damien. Um, it just, I, I don't know. I there's, just there's one moment where it really pops out where I'm like, oh, there's the Pascal and Paul problem, um, and we're going to talk about it more in the second half. So. Yeah. So numbers done. That's great and grand. She gets a phone call and answers it. There's some Greg guy. We don't know who he is right now. I mean, we do, but as a watcher for the first time, you're not going to know. Um, he walks her and they finally to her car, they finally find it. And then, which is conveniently located across from where the entire six year old tap dance performance. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And, um, we find out that he was parked literally right outside of the house. How romantic. That is really sweet. That is cute. I enjoyed that. Um, All of the best writing moments, because it's a cute writing moment, right? Yeah. The reveal of the car being in the front of the house. All of the best writing in this movie is, like, not the dialogue. Yeah. I suppose when I when I address that problem, what I mean is that the dialogue written for our actors in this movie... Is ter- is terrible. It's bad. Um, the plot, great. Yeah. Lots of really wonderful, rich plot moments. Neat little cute Easter eggs, like his car being in front of the house, and how you know that one moment tells us so much about like how he treats her and like blah blah blah, and, and how he secretly like feels right, right, about right. Her. It reveals so much about their relationship, yada yada yada. But um. But the dialogue in between that gets us there is, like, just but, atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's back at work, and she's got to leave. Or not, no, she's not able to come in on Friday or something like that because she has an audition. And her boss looks her in the face and says, move your audition. Ma'am, that is not how this works. You work on a Warner Brothers lot. I yeah. I know yeah. that you you are not an actor in the industry, I am confused how you are physically like this business is happening around you and you don't know a single fucking thing. You haven't overheard anything. You haven't met anybody. Don't be dumb. You know exactly what's happening. You know that's not how it works. Maybe she is. Because her career never worked out. And she's kind of, she's an older lady. Hmm? A bitter Uh? old woman who makes coffee. Oh, it's like movie fucking audition. I don't give a shit. Um, I failed. You must yeah, fail yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's the circle of life. Yes. Um, so, turns out she's dating Greg and because, oh, this is how we know. Christ. Sebastian shows up. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah I was like, what are you driving at here? He wasn't. Wants- she yeah. jumped. <laughs> I jumped. I jumped. Um, Sebastian shows up and it's because he just like snuck onto the lot. Yeah. And he ran past security and he was like, I probably have about 20 minutes before they catch me. Yeah. Um, so they're going to go have a little walk ski and they're having a conversation and he's like, so who's Greg? You were like talking about some Greg guy on the phone. Greg's my boyfriend. You. We've been dating for like a month. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and Right away, she starts pointing out, like, oh, this is where 
That's so the, and so leaned out of the window from, from Casablanca. Casablanca. Yeah. And um, she's like, and look at this old fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause she, so she's movie. walking him around the lot and they walk past like a scene that's being filmed and like all of these and things are t- happening. They are, they are quite Oh God, talking. yeah. Let's talk about it. So they walk up on this scene that's like about to start filming and they're literally like feet, just a couple of feet behind cameras that are actively filming the scene. And they just bring their conversation down to a whisper. I'm like, you guys, <laughs> and you they can't do- fucking talk. Right. We are filming a film. Yeah. Jesus. Um, and but but this tour around the lot is like, it it, it presents the crux of the problem with mm-hmm. this movie. Because this movie, as we will justify in a minute here, as we get through like the second act of this, isn't good. No. There are lots of missing pieces in this movie that would make it a much better film. But because it relies so heavily on like the nostalgia and the comfortability of old Hollywood glamour and the MGM of it all and like all of these motifs and colors and this old window from Casablanca and like they have all these like pieces of old film history rolled into the place that these characters live in, it becomes this like really comfortable nostalgia machine. Mm -hmm. And knowing that you are making a movie that will be presented critically to the people who make those films and have studied those films and live on these lots and do these jobs, this movie was incredibly well-received. And several of them probably worked on some of these movies. Uh, Fully. Yeah. Fully. I mean, the people who make decisions at the head of Hollywood now are the people who started their careers working on The Singing in the Rains. Yep. And, you know, like, this is what they grew up doing. This is how they cut their teeth. And now they're seeing a movie that celebrates it and cherishes it and idolizes it. So of course they loved it. Of course it went well. Of course it was well received. But it wasn't good. No. <laughs> I mean, visually speaking, I just... Anyway. Visually stunning. Yeah, it's got some real pretty moments. Oh, God, yeah. Sound-wise is another thing. Um, hey, listen, when it's just the orchestra, it's, it's really stunning. That's what I mean. Stunning. 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 I have a really bad habit of saying <laughs> Um, so we find out that her, we find out Mia's story of how she wanted to be an actress for a long time. Um, she lived across from a library and got to rent all these old movies that her aunt always talked about. Her aunt was an actress. Her aunt was an actress. Yeah. Um, who lived in like Boulder, Colorado. And that's, that's great. I love that. And then he's like, yeah, I'm a jazz musician, whatever. And she's like, so I hate jazz. And then he, uh, doesn't compute and <laughs> is like, okay. And takes oh, her she's to a from jazz Boulder club. City, Nevada. Boulder City, no fucking A. I was like, there's Boulder. Some Boulder, Colorado, Boulder City. Is there Boulder we go. City, Boulder Nevada. City, Nevada. That makes more sense. Okay. Got it. There we go. There we go. There we go. That's incredible. <laughs> Um, so Sebastian takes her to this jazz club and then he starts talking about jazz. I have seen these people. Oh, fully. I've interacted with these people. Yeah. I've had these conversations. We went to school with these kids. For um, sure. And talking about this and I, I understood mm-hmm. kind of his vantage point. And when this movie came out, there was a lot of controversy specifically because it's a white dude talking about traditional jazz yeah. and Which why is, keeping traditional jazz is important. Right. But traditional an, jazz is a, is a inherently black art form. 
bl- like black American art form. Correct. That's that's the whole yep. thing. Yeah. Um. So they're like, mm, okay. Yeah. Should you be the one to speak on it? I mean, John Legend is in this film. Should you be the one, Ryan Gosling, to deliver the monologue? Right. And there's always conversations, and especially with in in jazz of. Jazz is always moving forward. A lot of just crazy wild shit you can hear in jazz and jazz as an art form is vast and wise. Jazz is an umbrella. Yes. There's a million There's a lot of stuff under things. that umbrella. Yes. And Incredible stuff. Innovative stuff. Wild and crazy stuff that moves the industry forward. Right. Which is why when he is talking about like, well traditional jazz, da, 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 whatever, and why that's important. Um, and that's a conversation we'll get back to when John Legend is on the scene. The second half of this movie is going to be uh, intense. Yeah, I feel, I feel that. Um, I was so, going to make a camping's intense joke, but I chose not do to. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay, so he talks about jazz, and he we find out he wants to open up a jazz club and... And all of that stuff. So we get to hear his wants. We get to hear her wants in the conversation. And we find out that she got a callback mm-hmm. for this thing that before she was shit talking. But now she's like, well, I have a callback. Is that bad that I'm shit talking it? And she says it's very much so like um, something crossed with like the OC. Yes. But then she's like, no, it's not like that. It's more like this, which is an old um, James Dean film. Okay. And he's like, oh, Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. There we go. Um, and <laughs> hit you like lightning. <laughs> yeah, it did. Uh, and he's like, he says a line from the movie and she doesn't get it. And he's like, you never saw it? Well, I'm taking you to see it. We're going to the Rialto Monday, 10 p.m. How about that? And she says, okay. They split ways and we get the number City of Stars, but one of them... And none of them are listed as a reprise, by the way. Oh, that's weird because that we hear this so song strange. like four times in this yeah, movie. Yeah, and not a single one. They are all listed as City of Stars, which confused the fuck out of me when I was doing this. But Okay. Um, I have no notes other than it happened. It yeah. was there. It's not good. It was just Ryan. I think that's the same pier they um, filmed a couple of One Direction music videos on. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, not that well, anybody asked. I asked. I asked when we wanted you on this pod. Um, So we're back in Mia's home, and this is one of those brilliant little uh, musical bits, right? So she's standing there, and she's thinking of like, oh, I have this thing tonight with him, and it's good. And And it has the um, Mia and Sebastian's theme playing underneath it. Brilliantly scored. And she's like, so you can tell, oh, she's thinking about him. And as soon as Greg comes into her room, it's done. It ends. Like on, Brilliant. A, on a dime, yeah. She's like, oh, fuck you. Yeah, that's right. He's like, yeah, so my brother's coming into town. Da, da, da. Remember it's we had that thing? Yeah. We're supposed to have dinner. And she's like, oh, fuck me. Because today is Monday. Yeah. So she goes out with uh, Greg and his brother and it's... Just the worst fucking time, and we see because Seb Greg's at the also movie a theater. douche, and right. so was his brother. Yeah, that's yeah. what we learned very quickly is that like, but don't every you, man in Mia's life is a douche canoe. But don't <laughs> you worry, kids, 
she hears jazz music playing at the restaurant. And she's like, oh, that That's hot guy. Mm. And she's like, all right, I'm, and she just gets I up and leaves. Go. Yeah. She, th- they're at the movie theater. She comes in and she like walks all the way down to the front. She's got the pro- very romance. The projection of the movie that's it's, starting on ugh, her face. And then she's like looking so in the romantic. crowd. He like finally looks up and locks eyes. And they're like, oh, you. And they sit down together. But like that was very, it held long enough where I was like, oh, you're calling it out. You're like, yeah. oh, this is like the romance thing that yeah. they would hold for several right. seconds too Again, long. Again, we're doing this like heightened golden age romanticism. Yes. This is, a, this is a great example of it. There's a lot of more subtle moments kind of scattered throughout the film of this heightened romanticism that we hearken back but to. But that one specifically is like, holy... That one, yeah, with yeah. like the film on her face and the the backlighting of the camera. And She's like, in this fucking green also, dress. Also, yeah, the costuming. Oh, that green dress is really nice. His suit? Emma Stone looks really great in a vintage silhouette. Hell yeah. She just looks so pretty in this she's also a winter like she looks good in those rich dark dark tones tones. yeah Mm, 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 mm. i've been seeing a lot of color theory tiktoks (laughs) a lot i would like for someone to do mine for me because every single time i look at it i'm like yeah that's me in this color and they're like no no no. you're supposed to do it based off of which one like really makes your face pop and i'm like i don't know what that means well We'll talk about it another time. It's a, I have a TED talk about it. We'll get into it. Perfect. I love that. <laughs> um, maybe a bonus episode. Who knows? Maybe. I could do it. <laughs> um, so they're sitting there and we, again, get this really long, longer drawn out moment, this romantic moment of, oh my God, I'm going to try to hold their hand. They're both doing that thing where they're like, I'm going to uh, hold the other like person's hand. It's giving, yeah, I was going to say, it's giving middle school. It yeah. is, but I think with the way that the stuff before was, the way that they're dressed, the movie that they're watching, it's very reminiscent to a time when just simply holding someone's hand was such a thrill. Has that yeah. energy, has yeah. that middle school thrill energy of like, oh my yeah. God, you know? I think it's cute. Um, they're about to kiss. The film burns out. What a cock block. <laughs> God, no. um, and they head to the planetarium that was in this movie, by the way, in the, in the, in the Rebel Without a Cause. Watching. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they've definitely broken into this building. They 100% broke into that building. I'm just like... <laughs> How was that that easy? I I don't fucking know. Nothing is locked in LA apparently. I no locks, <laughs> just vibes. <laughs> just, <laughs> um. So she, they're bebopping around looking at different exhibits, and they're slowly building into into a dance and and stuff like that. Um. There's zero dialogue that happens. There's zero singing that happens. There's nothing. It's maybe all scoring. Maybe that's why I like that scene so much. That's exactly why you like that scene so much. <laughs> because, I mean, this is so this is where I wrote the note. Is Ryan Gosling a bad actor or is it just this role? I mean, I don't personally care for Ryan Gosling, but I think it's because he does a lot of movies that aren't in a genre that I prefer. Yeah, that's valid. Um, although I will say this isn't a genre that I prefer and I think he just sucks here. Well, so. this is <laughs> um, So they end up in the planetarium and like in the, where the solar things do the solar things. And, <laughs> how'd you like that science teacher? I love that. So Thank much. you. <laughs> um, and 
his hanky goes flying up into the ceiling. Defies gravity. And then, uh, so then of course we're getting into the extra heightened fancifulness of all of it. It feels like a... dance. They both break the fourth wall individually. Hate it. Then you can kind of see like a, like a fuzzy thing happen over the image. That's like kind of puts a, like a 50s, 60s filter on it for just a little bit in the beginning here. Which I thought was kind of cool. The um, whole thing feels like a deleted scene from Fantasia. You're right. They go dancing through the sky. Stars in their multitude. Name that musical. No, and- don't. <laughs> <laughs> if, and- you, if you ask them to name the musical, they'll ask us to cover it on the pod. I do not want to cover that. I, it's on our list, though. No. Yeah. You anyway, have to. Oh, I'm going to hate it so bad. It's going to be great. Um... That one's going to be a fucking two-banger, probably. My anyway. God. Okay, back to this one. So, <laughs> um, they're dancing through the sky. Beautiful. They, like, come down out of the sky in some weird, fanciful, whatever the hell, and land in these chairs. And they kiss. And then it does that, that, that zoom-in-scope thing. And then Blackout Lion King. <laughs> So we find out that Homegirl is writing a one-woman show because when she was a kid, she used to write and Ryan Gosling looked her in the face and said, fuck all these whores, write something for yourself then. Yeah. Ta-da. Yeah. Um, which we love. I do stand that. I mean... Yeah. Making we, your own opportunities. Yeah, yeah. I forget which episode it was, but just recently, I think it was one of the Pride Month episodes, we talked about like not waiting. You can't wait for the right opportunity. And I so I mm-hmm. love this moment where she's like... I want to be an actress, so I'm going to write a role for me. Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. Um, he picks her up, and then they go on this date montage, and it is summertime. They do another weird tap dance type thing. They do that yeah, yeah. during this, like, montage, montage. thing. Yeah. yeah so it's like, like almost we... like a tap reprise of what we've just, what we saw earlier. Like, yeah. Because, like... how better like... we got. Did you get better? No. Did you? Um... <laughs> Laura, his sister, is engaged. We see that. We see them going to all these different sites. They tap together. Um, we see that he is playing at that place that they went to, the lighthouse, mm-hmm. that jazz club. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Emma they... Stone dance. Mia dancing is giving me like middle-aged white woman at a concert vibe. Yeah, yeah. It's just uncomfortable it's big, like, because like it's like tampon dancing. Yeah. You know, like tampon commercial dances. <laughs> it's very that. Yeah. It's very that. Yeah. 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 Um, and then they kind of, they <laughs> mouth I love you to each other. Gross. But like we don't hear it. So you're like, oh, precious, you know, whatever. Um, they go to sit down and have a drink and this guy shows up. Oh my God. <laughs> John Legend? Oh, wow. Wild. Wild. Uh, his name is Keith in this one. And he's like. <laughs> Keith. I know. Keith. Uh and he's like, hey, yo, Seb, I got an opportunity for you. And he's like, no. Well, okay then. Uh, we should catch a drink sometime and catch up. And it's just like this very uncomfortable. Super awkward, very brief happened. conversation. Like, yeah. 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 Back at the apartment. Meanwhile, back at the ranch. Um, <laughs> the lighting is stunning. <laughs> It's good. Um, so 
she is very clearly reading him her one woman show and like had just finished and she said you know what do you think and he thinks that it's brilliant and the lighting in here is like one one side is purple one side is pink and then they kind of yeah. meld together when they stand together which is just fucking precious and i just love this lighting it's beautiful um and she's like are you are you sure i'm not sure about this i feel like it seems too nostalgic mm-hmm LOL. I wrote down this conversation verbatim because I was like, okay, oh, give it to me. fucking give it to me. K. They're talking about it and she said, is it too nostalgic? And he turns to her and says, fuck them. Girl! This conversation happened in a writing room while they were making this film. Is this a PG thir- PG movie? Or is it PG-13? I it's, think it's PG-13. Because you get with one 13, fuck. you get one fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, okay. I think they only have the one. Yeah. Yeah. It's this. <laughs> it's well used. I will say they that. placed yeah they placed it well but but I was like this this was a conversation that writers had while they were working on this film for sure and they were like wouldn't it be funny if we included this conversation in the movie yeah that's what happened yeah you can't convince me otherwise because again this whole movie is like the core of this film is nostalgia for the industry they're parodying right yeah it's not I shouldn't say parody parody is the wrong word. But it feels like Hark- a parody. It's like hearkening back. That they're, that they're uh, uh, immor- uh, memorializing? Maybe, yeah. Idolizing? I don't know. I Whatever don't it is. <laughs> Maybe not idolize. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, they're talking, about, they're talking about the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Fuck them. <laughs> um, no, don't. Like, listen to the audience and give them something worth investing in well don't just make it nostalgia jesus christ yeah and then they're talking about his dream and and having a club and she makes him a sign and it's gonna she thinks that it should be called sebs and then he says no it should be chicken on a stick terrible name and she's like that doesn't even make any fucking sense (laughs) and he has some story about there's a jazz musician and chicken and he he got his name bird. bird and Blah, 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 blah. So they're going to serve chicken, chicken, beer, and jazz. Which I was like, okay. It's a choice. We were just discussing off mic the sort of like racial implications of having a club where you play exclusively like a black art form and then serving chicken on a stick, which is like relevant to racial stereotypes of like fried chicken and like there is he a certain wasn't even talking about serving chicken on a stick actually he was just no, talking but... about serving chicken but like the idea that comes with that like term yeah i, I no, feel i know like... but that's what i'm meaning yeah. is that like he wasn't he especially was serving knowing, just chicken especially knowing Not... there was some uh, some amount of backlash about like him being a white character professing the profundity of jazz as an mm-hmm. art form and like i feel it's worth the mentioning traditional, the yeah, traditionalism it, of it knowing yeah. that and, it was like a, mo- a, a mostly if not all white production team on this i feel it's as white podcasters it's also worth mentioning that like it's maybe less than right than which proper. is why i'm just yeah. like hey remember when you were bitching about the fact that it was samba and tapas and the bitching wasn't about the fact that like the cultures didn't make sense together the bitching was you need to just do one thing and do the one thing well, then why are you doing jazz and chicken? Exactly. 
I don't know. I just, it was ridiculous. And she was like, also, you don't need to, what's the name of the club that he was upset about? That was the, the Van Beek. Van Beek. Thank you. Um, she, cause Mia was also like, you don't have to do it at the Van Beek. And he's like, yes, I do. Because that's where all the big band names used to play. And I can't let it be Samba's Samba and Tapas forever. Yeah. Which it's like, okay, well, you need money to do any of this. Correct. Yep. So you do in fact need capital to start a business. Right. Um, and speaking of that, she answers a phone call from her mom and you just kind of hear it in the background a bit. Like yeah. he's kind of overhearing the conversation. Yeah, we get the phone call from uh, Sebastian's perspective. Yeah. yeah. And Mia is telling her mom like, oh, I'm doing this one woman show. No, no one's paying me to do it. I'm actually having to pay to do it. But this is a thing. So. And it's like that whole awkward conversation about like a person in the arts trying to explain to their parent who never did anything in the arts yep. yeah. as to how sometimes you have to go about things in the arts. Yeah. That's what the whole conversation is. And about like, no, he's a, he's a really great jazz musician. He wants to open up his own jazz club. Well, not anytime soon. I'm sure he's saving his pennies, saving for it, you know, whatever. And so he hears that and then like looks up at this giant water stain on his, on the roof of his apartment and boom, he is now actually, uh, at the gig at at the studio. Yes. Yes. Um, and he finds out that it's a thousand dollars a week. Um, he also gets a portion of, Ticket sales and, and merchant sales. Yeah. Which like he tries to have a really cool, calm demeanor of like, yeah, that's fine. I guess I'll take this gig. It's a paying gig. Um, but <laughs> has like a, oh my fucking God. This I think is... that's his best acting moment in the entire film. Oh, it fully is. <laughs> it fully fucking is. Mainly because he says nothing. And it's just like, you just see those subtle movements in his facial muscles. Yeah. And I'm like. That's good acting. I'm glad we saw it once. <laughs> yeah. All of their best acting happens when they are not given words. Hmm. It's really, I mean... It's quite interesting. <laughs> the book is not great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he has this... So he has this uh, rehearsal session with the band. Yeah. And Keith says something to him about, like, the last guy we had um, wasn't as good as you, but you're a, you're a dick. Yeah, he's like, the other guy's not as good, but you're a pain in the ass. Yeah. And it's because... Granted, also, they didn't tell him him the fact that this wasn't going to be a traditional jazz combo, which is what he had previously done with Keith. Sure. Just like in the middle of playing, all of a sudden there was like electric shit happening underneath. Sure. And so I think that threw him. Obviously, there was some conversation. shocked, but. Obviously, there must have been some kind of conversation that was off camera that we didn't see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the like electro jazz yeah and i thing. like how john legend keith excuse me is just like you might not like it but it's what we need to do yeah to like you're so set in your traditionalism and all this other stuff like yeah you need yeah to do this to get the young people in exactly because uh sebastian has this shit attitude about like doing not the kind of jazz that he wants to do and again like i just think he's being a huge bitch about having a job making music just because it's not like the specific microchasm of music that you wish to be playing. Like a lot of people would kill for a gig like that. Don't yeah. be a scumbag and like shit all over it. And, and then 
John Legend's character has that really stirring line uh, about like jazz has always been about propelling music forward. Like it's always been the cutting edge of what we can do. It's always about innovation and revolution. And, and you're such a traditionalist that you won't let go of what jazz has been to let it be what it can, can be. be. And yeah. he calls out specific musicians of it's like the only reason why you're idolizing them is because they no longer played jazz after these innovations and these revolutions and these changes in jazz happened. You don't know if they then would have shifted the way that they play jazz to match with this new standard or to try new things. Yeah. And it's, and, um, exactly. It's a, it's a really, uh, it's a good bit of dialogue. Yeah. And it's nice to get at least a little bit of good dialogue, some gems in there. That whole argument is a giant argument in the jazz community. (laughs) Well, reasonably so, you know. Right, right. Um, I mean, do you study and teach what jazz is, or do you allow it to grow and change and still call it jazz? Or you know, I I understand that. Yeah, it's yeah. A, a big argument. Yes. Um, then we get City of Stars, the weird karaoke duet version. Yes, but for right, they like start it, and then we see some things happen, and then they end it together so yeah this is also kind of a weird time loopy thing non-linear plot yeah wish you could have just written it chronologically and in here would have been great right and in here like we see that mia quits her barista job um he signs the contract with this band she moves in um he's gone touring or doing things um and then they like wrap it up with this duet, which is fun. poorly sung. Poorly it's sung. Just not. Mm. Yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Then we are at a concert for <laughs> the Messengers, which is the band um, that he so, signed on to, and we get the number "Start a Fire," which was written by John Legend. We're about halfway into the film now. A little over half, yeah. Yeah. We've kind of breached the one hour mark in a two hour film. And, uh. It's taken a lot to get here. I mean, is anything gonna happen? There's no conflict. We are an hour in and we've just really intimately gotten to know two characters. Oh my god, I watch, I watched this with my sister Alexis, and Alexis was like, I am waiting here, um, just. Waiting for the other shoe to drop. Where the fuck is the conflict in this movie? It's got to be coming up. I'm waiting for the first shoe to drop. Where are we? What is happening? <laughs> yeah, everyone's got their shoes on the shelf still. And yeah. Drop. My God. Like, like there's literally... Uh, we just have met two characters. We know they want stuff really passionately. And we know them pretty intimately now. That's all. Cool. Yeah. It's like a one-hour character study. Are we study. still in summer? Yeah, we are seconds from flipping to fall. Oh, thank God. We are seconds, <laughs> seconds from fall. So anywho, so we, we get, get this number. really bitchin' John Legend number. And I, yep. I said, John Legend, you better sang. And yes. He and he did. We God get, bless. Uh, start a fire. Um, Mia's in the crowd listening, and this is the first time she's hearing this type of music. And she looks very confused and concerned. It's this, um, like, electro jazz well because it's not the, it's not the jazz that sebastian plays at home yeah it's a far throw from that and it's not yeah. the jazz that she learned to fall in love with either right 
Or the one that he was all fucking up in arms about, this is the only type of jazz you should really yeah. fuck around with. Right. Right. Um, so she's very confused and befuddled and just is like slowly but surely getting pushed back yeah, the, out of the crowd. The and... audience gets like a little moshy mm-hmm. and kind of like rough and tumbles her and she just kind of backs her way out of the room. And I was like, me too, Mia. Yeah. I'm in a very like, uh, if you can't provide me with a cushioned seat for the concert, I will not be in attendance. I would like to sit down. Yeah. I would like the option to stand when I would like to, but if there is not a seated option... For the duration of the of the of the performance, I will not be attending. And frankly, if there are seats, you should sit. I agree. Only because, listen, that seating is angled for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that way yeah. people can see. Raked for your pleasure. Yeah, and then when you're all <laughs> standing, it just ruins all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Papa squat. Enjoy the show. That's my stance. Anyway, um. So she, and I also wonder too, if like this look is a little bit like one, you're not doing the thing that I thought you were doing. Um, and it seems like you kind of sold out, but two, oh shit, this is like really popular. I and think it's this more is, of the first. I, I, I definitely think it's, it's a moment of her being like, this isn't what I thought we were doing. Cause that comes up. I think that comes up in. Something we will talk about momentarily here. Okay, let's get to that then. Um, we're in the fall. He's on tour. Um, she's home, still working on the show. That kind of like we just see movement through time. Mm-hmm. Um, she calls him and is like, "Hey, love you. You know, miss you. Haven't heard from you in a while." This but is then another. She, this is another great outdoor shot too. When she's walking, lighting yeah, moment. yeah. When she's walking home on the street with making the phone call, it's really, it's beautifully lit. It's got a wonderful color palette, and yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I just can't gush enough about how wonderful all the outdoor nighttime stuff is. Yeah, um, she uh, hears jazz music playing from inside the apartment. Oh my God, he's home. He has made dinner. There are candles lit. And she's this is him. cute as shit. <laughs> she spooked him. Yeah. He's like, oh, I thought you weren't going to, well, surprise. It's so sweet. It's very, it's very sweet. I love this. So romantic. Um, And they start having a conversation about like, oh, well, I'm going to be on tour. Um, This is another great lighting moment. Going to go to Boise. Yeah. It's like both of them are lit in like a really warm yellow. And then the background is like this like tealy green color. It's, it's so good. The, like, duo color chrome moment that they're having. That's why they couldn't afford to pay for lessons so anyone could learn how to dance or sing or anything. They're too busy shucking out money for all the incredible lighting. Just goddamn lighting. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, he says the phrase, and this is the second time he has said it, but I didn't bring it up the first time because I was hoping to God he wouldn't say it again. Um, he says the phrase, pishikaka. Pishikaka. Pishikaka is how he pronounces it. Yeah. But from what I understand, I thought it was like Pishikaka, where it's like more closely tied, spoken faster. It's Yiddish. It is Yiddish. It's Yiddish for bullshit. Yeah. But he says it in a way that sounds so foreign on his tongue that you should have just taken it out. Yeah. Or just said bullshit, honestly. Yeah, an indicator of Or you of could have just like, said bull if you weren't allowed to say shit for whatever reason. Right. Yeah, uh, it, and maybe an indicator of, like, Jewish writers in the room 
who didn't who weren't allowed to be on set because I don't know if you guys know this, but like it's a recent trend that writers aren't on set anymore when their scripts are being like executed scene by scene. Yeah. Put your writers back on set, please. Yeah. Because otherwise you end up with weird pishikaka moments and it feels really again incongruous is the word that comes to mind where like yeah that's a big word well uh, well a lot of this is like really seamless and well done and like again like the the score really flows things together and like a lot of this moves as one piece really coherently so when you have these moments that don't they stick out real bad i forget he's canadian ryan gosling's canadian yeah mm-hmm. i didn't know canadians could be on the mickey mouse clubhouse <gasps> Gooped and gagged. Interesting, interesting. An international organization. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, joined in 1993. I was born that year. That's why I said it. Great year. Not. Great year, 93. <laughs> um, so he leaves. He's going to be leaving in the morning for Boise. And he's like, hey, do you want to come? Like, could you come with me? We got to figure out how to see each other more. Yeah. You know, did it out, whatever. And she's like, no, I have I have my show. And he's like, can't you rehearse for that anywhere? It's a one-woman show. Yeah, and she... But, like, the show's in a couple weeks. Yeah, she's like, I mean, it's the show's in two weeks and all my stuff is here. I, I don't know how that would... I shouldn't really go. It doesn't really make so, sense. So, no. Yeah. Um, and then she's like, yeah, but you can't be touring for much longer. And he's like... I'm going to tour maybe forever. He's like, I'm on tour for this full next year. That's, yeah, so this is, because then she brings up the, like, the do you even like what you're playing? So that's yeah. that's why I think her look at the show is like the, like, this isn't what he wanted to do. Yeah, because so she is can he clearly recognize. But I also wonder yeah. if, I wonder if some of it, too, is the fact that he was the one that was like, fuck it, you don't, in which she also says, but like, fuck it. People don't need to like you. Whatever. That has been his stance the entire time. So then she started living her life that way. And now he has done this, which isn't what exactly what he wanted to do, but he's more successful. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, I followed the teachings of what you were saying because I believed them to be true because you believe so strongly and were so passionately about it. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Tell now me. I'm the only one doing it? Yeah. Should it? Yeah, they have this argument about, like, whether or not they can do this together. And, like, he wants her to come on the road. She can't. They're they're at odds about their priorities right now. And it's a really poorly written argument. Like, the the, dar- the dialogue is dry and and not driven. Like, it's, it's bad dialogue. Is it also because their chemistry is so bad in this movie overall? I, yeah, uh, super duper, yes. Super duper, yes, that. Um, I will say that they are absolutely acting for their lives to save this scene. Right. <laughs> and There's a lot of really good, uh, like, directorial choices going on. Like, the pacing of it is really what great. Like, the, what, what the pacing of when they're cutting each other off and kind of jumping into each other's sentences. And the rise in the tension is, is well handled. It's just, it, just the words are, like, hollow and dumb. Yeah, because he also brings up something about, like, um, this is what you wanted me to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, it literally isn't. She said something about like saving pennies or whatever. Yeah, there's sort of a lack of rage, I think, that and really makes this feel hollow to me. Well, and she also then says something about like, aren't, sh- are you giving up on 
owning a jazz club. Yeah, that was your dream. Yeah. That's, and what, like, that's what I thought we were doing. But then it's like, okay, but he, but it could have been like, yeah, and I got this gig so that way I could save up to make that a thing. That's not exactly. But then it just, I don't know. Yeah, the whole yeah. Argument they both seems have dumb. points that they don't quite make. It's just badly written. Yeah. But they do have this really stellar moment at the end of it. Where, towards the end of it. So the entire there's time... A, there's a record playing under the argument. Yeah, there's a record playing under the argument. And then he says something that I wish I had written down because I kind of was like, uh, that came... That was extra mean that out of bold. left field. Yeah. And the record stops playing. And then you're sitting in complete silence. The... The Sienna without music is so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> your little, your little, uh, the Sienna. misspelling. My misspelling. Your teacher's handwriting. That's why I teach science. Yeah. <laughs> Spell for it's shit. meant to say silence. The silence no, also, I without music. I think the music that plays is that, that whole song that has that piano lick he plays on repeat. Yes. Mm-hmm. There you go. Continuity. There you go. Look at I you. I paid attention. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she says one thing to break the silence. And then the fucking fire alarm goes off. Yeah, yeah. It's this really well executed. And they well just sit there looking at each <laughs> other with the fire alarm. It's this really well executed moment where, like, kind of without realizing it, you you're suddenly aware that the entirety of this film has been underscored mm-hmm. to breathtaking effect. I mean, it's we keep talking about the score and how wonderful it is and how effective it is. And for the first time in the film, we have like a like a true genuine silence. And then it's filled by not more scoring not beautiful orchestration but instead like a fire alarm or the real world sound right like the, yeah. the scene right after this is like i think it's an outdoor scene and there's like the rustling of trees or like traffic sounds or something like that so it, it's not more orchestral gorgeousness it's it's this like very grounded kind of like breathing room to mm-hmm. let the conflict that we've finally achieved now an hour and 45 minutes into the film that we finally got to, to kind the of ju- let it like rest. The jump from the concert to this, it is a lot of time, but not a lot yeah. happens. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Be, I mean, sometimes like that, that silence sometimes. is really effective. Yeah. So. Um, so she leaves. She just fully fucking leaves. Uh, we are now at her opening night. Opening night of a one-woman show. So long, Boulder City. Um, we find out that the band is going to have a photo shoot that Seb thought was next Thursday, and it is yeah. indeed. Excuse me, is indeed this Thursday. Yeah. Today, which is the a, same a night at her, o- <laughs> as, you know, her opening night. This photo shoot starts at seven. And I think Keith even asks him. Keith like, is like, "What is like, that a problem?" Like, you good? Like, can you do this? And the correct answer should have been, no, I have a prior uh, obligation. Can I take my photo separately or on another day or, like, whatever? Right. And instead he's like, yeah, I'll make it work. And then he fucks it all up. Yeah. Um, he has this really uncomfortable photo shoot where he bites his lip for a really long time. I hated it. <laughs> like, how many t- I would have died trying to film that. Like, I would have been on my ass laughing for at least 25 takes. Yeah, I mean... Because a photographer comes up into his face and says, okay, bite your lip, and he's wearing the most ridiculous shit of my entire life. Yeah. The only reason why it's ridiculous is because on him as a character... It's like a trucker hat and, like, this bold pattern tie and, like... He just looks stupid. Aviators and... He looks stupid. 
It just, it doesn't, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's not the right vibe. No. no and, not the vibe. and so he's sitting there taking these stupid fucking photos and it's her opening night. Lights come up. She goes out. Um, back at photos, more photos, goes back. The lights um, in the audience come up at the end of her performance. Yeah, she's taking her bow. Oh my God. There's like, what, eight people there? Three, Three of, them of them are her roommates. roommates. <laughs> and, and then one, one of them, chair with an reserved sign. And one <sighs> of them is not him. Yeah. Hate to see it. He didn't fucking you make it. hate to see it. Yeah. Poor um, and then she's like, she gets backstage and then starts overhearing, like, I don't know if it's like tech people that were working no, I the think show. It's, I think there it's, were a couple of dudes in that audience. Yeah, I think oh, it's okay. just two dudes like in the lobby of the theater or whatever. Well, and, and it's and a small space. Are, so. Well, and then there are also some women that she also hears. And they're like, oh, I hope she doesn't quit her day job. God, that was fucking terrible. You know, One woman shows whatever. are always terrible. All these fucking actresses always trying to make it. Yeah. Um, and she leaves and... Hey, pro tip. There he is. Don't ever discuss the show you just saw in the theater you saw it in um take no. a take a, a quick little jaunt away yeah take a jaunt wait, wait till, till you get, get in the, the cab car. like like i just guys there are rules yeah don't be a dick <laughs> right so um seb shows up and he's like oh my god i'm so sorry i can't believe i missed it let me make it up to you let me make it up to you first of all there's no way you can make it up to her it literally was an opening night Right. You're an idiot. I mean, that's the nature of theater, right? It exists in a moment, and when that moment is over, it's gone. And this was like a particularly unique moment in that it was an opening night. Like it was a it was a one night only show. Yeah. So like it's it's over. You can't. What are you going to do? Go back in time? Like that's not how live theater works. And you know that you're a live musician. So don't be stupid. Right. You ruined this. Right. And she just says, "You know, I quit." It's over. I think it's she over. ate this scene up. She fucking did. Well, again, she is acting to save her life, but this altercation is also so poorly written. She says, like, nothing of substance and is, like, just digging up every acting technique in her soul to try and make it mean something. She's just like, it's... It's over. It's over. All of this, everything, it's over. I'm done. I'm going home. He's like where what are you talking about like okay i'll see you at home and she's like no i'm no, going, I'm going home, home home and then i'm like where the fuck is that is that back at the apartment with the girls no bitch she's talking about nevada she is deucing out and heading back to her parents house she gets there it's this very sad scene of her in her childhood bedroom surrounded by like theater things and like awards that she did and and gotten all of this random shit and we see a scene of him alone in in his bed. Mm-hmm. And his phone calls, and he finally picks up. And it turns out that this is a casting agent calling uh, for Mia. And she's like, hey, I'm trying to get a hold of Mia. She's not answering her phone. Um, I'm so-and-so, which is evidently like a big casting director or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and she mm-hmm. saw her one-woman show, wants her to come for this audition. It's tomorrow. Can she make it? Yeah. So he gets in his car and drives to her fucking parents' house. And so four he... hours and twenty minutes away. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thank you for googling it. Um, so he had this habit 
of whenever he came to pick her up when she was living with the girls in the apartment, that he would lay on his horn to let her know that he was there. And one of her roommates even, like, they make a, a, a point of it. Like, one of her roommates is like, is that going to happen every time he comes to pick you up? And Mia's like, yeah, probably. Yeah, I think it is. And so he drives all the way to her parents' house, and then in the middle of the night, in the suburbs, he just lays on his horn. He lays on his horn longer than he typically did. Yeah, it's like eternally. And I was like, my dude. And I think it's also because he didn't know which house it was, actually. Just knew it was across from the library. Right. That was sweet. That was very sweet. That is a sweet bit of dialogue, but um, uh, uh, electric chair. (laughs) Straight. Fired. Please do not put your horn on in a residential area in the suburbs after dark. It's a super cool way for a townie to shoot you. Yeah. This is America. You shouldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she comes out and she's like, what the fuck are you doing here? He tells her about the casting call. She's like, no, I'm done. I'm not doing that. I might go back to school. I, I can't do this. And he's like, no, you need to try this. You need- he keeps asking her why, like yeah. pushing her to like, you can't say no to this opportunity unless you have a good reason. And she says, it's it's getting, it's too hard. Yeah. And what I want to make a point of real quick is that if you are a person who decides to do this with your life and you decide to pursue performance or, or live performance or TV or film, whatever, if you decide to do this for the rest of your life, if this is your industry, I want you to know that it's okay if it gets to be too hard. Yep. It's I, I, I don't always like the narrative that we push that like the stick to itiveness is necessary and that like if you just let this industry that is truly an industry full of no, that if you just stick to it and you let the industry eat you up like a meat grinder that eventually it'll pay off and it'll be worth it and you'll make something you know worth all of these sacrifices. You're a human person and you have to take care of yourself and if this gets to be too hard to take no constantly, then like take a step back. Drop out for five years, ten years, the rest yeah. of your life. Like, it's okay. It's okay if you decide that, like, the psychological torture that is mm. being a performer is not for you long term. It's not a bad thing, and you're not a bad person for it. You're not weaker. You're not lesser. Like, it's, it's all right. And there are lots of fulfilling ways to continue to be an artist in not those capacities. There are lots of ways to continue being creative in your life. There are lots of ways to like continue to make a living or even it's like a side gig or whatever. Like there's more than one road and it doesn't have to be this like really consequential, really difficult, challenging uphill ordeal. Yep. I just don't love the the narrative that that and it's not it, it, it's I'm talking about a much broader problem obviously. Like it's not this scene specifically. Like obviously these characters need this in this moment or we wouldn't have the story that we have. And I, that's fine. I just wanted to take the moment to like, you're not a bad person. If you decide that you love to perform and you need a break, mm-hmm. yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Take your break. But also this bitch has a well established and known casting director calling not only her cell phone, but finding a different phone number. Yeah. Specifically being like, Hey, I, there's an audition. I really, really, really want her to come to this audition yeah. tomorrow. This is a scenario in which, like, you should... This is a yes. Someone's handing yeah. you a yes. <laughs> right. This is, you should, because you should me, take it. You should go it would get be, it. It would be different. This, this pushing, this no, this whatever. 
to me would make sense if it was like a friend just being like, hey, I heard about this audition. I think you'd be perfect for it. You should just just give this a one last go. This is a fucking casting director calling and being like, I want to see her and pushing hard enough to find a secondary phone number that does not even belong to her. Mm-hmm. Right. This feels like a really her easy there. guess. Yeah, she should. You should take this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he is like, hey, listen, um, I'm going to be here at 8 tomorrow. The audition's at 5.30 p.m. Yeah. Um, Up to you. If you decide to yeah. be here, maybe you will, maybe you won't. And then she says, hey, question, how the fuck did you find my parents' house? And he said, it's across from the library and he drives away. And his vehicle is parked right in front of the library sign. That's cute. That's a beautiful shot. Oh. Like that. That's a nice little, oh. nice little moment. Pritch. Um... Next day, it's a little after 8 a.m. And uh, he he's up. like, oh, damn. He pulls up and is like, oh, she's not out here. Mm. He waits for like all of four seconds at the corner. Yeah, that's about it. And then <laughs> he starts to drive away, but she's like right there and trying to open the car door. <laughs> and then he's like halts on the brakes. is like, oh. And she's like, I was getting coffee. Yeah. I hated that interaction, but fine, whatever. Well, I, I, again, it's just, like, yeah. bad writing. Like, And the, this is a weird, like, directorial moment that could have been easily fixed. Like, yeah. if she had if she had not said anything to him and they had just allowed the two of them to act until she got in the car and then looked at him and said, I was getting coffee. Because he says something right after that, too, where it's, like, uh, apologetic. He's like, but yep. like Yeah, I, I, and I feel like if... If, if if you had just made the slight the small change for her to get into the car before they had that little itty bitty exchange of dialogue, it would have made more sense and been less. I don't know. I don't know. Or he could have said something like, "I thought you weren't coming." Yeah, it just, I was getting coffee. Yeah. Again, it, it feels like I just, bad I writing. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Pasek so, and Paul problem of it all. Yeah. Um, she shows up at this audition. We find out. There's no script. They're going to write it around the actress so they have a premise and then, you know, whatever. And then um, they're going to be shooting in Paris. So what we want you to do for this audition is to just tell us a story. Any story. Because you're a storyteller. Yeah. Tell us a story. And we get the number audition, um, also known as The Fools Who Dream. This number, is an, it's an astonishing song. It it's beautiful so beautiful. Song. It's incredibly love, 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 shot. Emma Stone should not belt. No. I like it when her voice is supported. Yeah, when, yes. she's, and then, when she has that support, but. Yeah. When but she it's just not su- always. Supports it too much. Yeah, it's just not always there. Um, and then uh, lastly, uh, who cares? This is supposed to be like the 11th hour torch song. Right, and it this just is your doesn't... torch song moment, but it doesn't. It, it exists hit. outside of the plot of the film. And it just doesn't... I mean, it serves its purpose because she's an actress looking for a job and it sure. gets her the job. Sure. And maybe there is something to be said about the like the larger allegory of like her aunt who taught her to jump into the river even when you're not sure if you, if you can. Yeah. I don't know. There's, it's like just... It's on the verge of being correct. And it's about like fool's... Fools dreaming their dream and how actors and actors, anybody in this gig is just like a fool dreaming. And And aren't we all? And I I, I totally get that. But it it just, 
the song is self-encapsulated and so when we come back out of it it like why do i why should i care true yeah that's you know real. i just um, there's no closure with it there isn't no. there's no closure there's no conflict it doesn't contribute anything and i just it's a it's an incredible song it's such a stirring moving ballad and it is just breathtakingly filmed like it's gorgeous to watch but i don't care <laughs> Why should I? <laughs> um, so this fades into a conversation of them back on, on the hill talking where they had their first dance together. Um, and it's about, the conversation is about the fact that he's going to continue touring and he's doing really, really well with this band. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be shooting in Paris and she has to give this her all. And they're like, where does that leave us? And they decided it leaves them at, I will always love you and I will always love you too. Um, and that's it. Winter. Five, Five years, years later. later. Mia, back on the lot. She's a famous actress now. She does... Oh, and fame looks great on her. She looks great. Um, she also filmed... She's an American who filmed in Paris. An American in Paris. I'm just saying. And she has... Come the, on. She has, she has, like, the French... She has the French twist and the sunglasses. Very Audrey. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we find out, because she heads back home, we find out she's married to someone else. She's got a hot, hot, hot husband. He and so hot. Um, <laughs> they have a kid. And she's adorable. Oh, yeah. precious. And they are heading out um, to go to someone's show, and there's, like, some conversation vaguely about it but it doesn't really matter they end up getting off of the highway going to some restaurant traffic sucks they get stuck in traffic and she's like because they have the conversation like he's like we have to go we're going to be late what what if we don't get to see the show and she's like then we'll see it when we're back in new york she's yeah she's like oh we'll see natalie back in new york why don't you pull off here for dinner let's not worry about it so then they're stuck in traffic and she's like let's just go We'll take this exit. And so they pull off for dinner and they come to a jazz club and it's Sebs. Well, they're done with dinner. They're literally going to go away. He hears jazz music. Because they're like getting back into the car and he's like, you want to go check it out? Oh God, I was scribbling notes so furiously at the end because I was like, real things are happening. Actual plot points. Yeah. Real conflict. Um, Only took two hours to get here. (laughs) And and her husband is like, hey, do you want to go check that out? Probably because he's like, she loves jazz. Well, she does. She does. And they walk in and she sees the logo that she drew all it's, those years ago. It's Seb's Jazz Club. It's Seb's. And it's not called Chicken on a Stick. It is indeed called Seb's. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Um, Little and victories. She, and she walks in and you can just tell that she's like, oh my God. Every corner she turns, she's like, Am I'm going to run him? into him. Where is he? I'm gonna and then she's like, there's a stool. There's all the clippings he had. Blah, 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 blah. There's all this stuff that was in our apartment, uh-huh. you know, kind of thing. And um, they sit down and she realizes that he's not in the band. And she's like, okay, you know, whatever, kind of relaxing. Mm-hmm. And then he walks out on stage. And he's like, uh, introduces the band members, whatever, and then looks out and they lock eyes. And he's like, and then he says, welcome to Seb's. He sits down at the piano and play. starts playing City of Stars. Boom. We get a flashback. Now, now this is... Now, I was like, what is all this now? We flash all the way back. To the night? To the night when she heard him the play. the Christmas firing. Yes. <laughs> um, and it's... 
It's the what ifs of it all. What, yeah, it's what it's if, what would have happened if they had connected on that night and they had stayed together and it did and they did make it work and they, you know, all these things happened and. This is giving very much so singing in the rain when he's envisioning what the musical will look like. Yeah, yes. yeah, it's this big elongated dream sequence. We get really MGM here. We go like full oh, Technicolor fuck. costumes yeah. with like the color block. It looks like the set from Guys and Dolls. Like uh, th- they have all the girls have shoes that match their gowns. Like it's it, we're truly MGM Hollywood 1949. Like it's very thorough. Yes. <laughs> um, and like we see little clips of like, oh, she would go and be in this movie and he would play in little jazz clubs in Paris and then they'd go here, there. And then we get like this film reel of, so that tone shifts from like seeing like the sound staging, whatever of that to an actual film reel of her being pregnant, their first child going through that section of life. And then up until present day, Seeing the exact scene that we watch her with her her actual husband. Yep. Right. Pulling oh, off with an, him. off the exit, coming to the jazz club, sitting down, watching a show. Um, and then it all ends. The song ends, and then they her and her husband get up to go. He's left on stage. And there's this moment where you don't think that they're gonna see like they're not gonna look at each other. Right, mm-hmm. that they won't acknowledge each other and no, she she pauses and turns and then he is still sitting at the piano and then he looks up and they catch each other's eye. They smirk. (sighs) The end. I don't get it. No. Uh, it, Are you meant to get something from it? I don't know. When this first came out, I was head over heels in love with it. I don't know why. <laughs> well, I get it though because it's so it's so uh, heightened romantically, and it's it's so flashy, it's so colorful, it's so nostalgic, and especially for theater kids like us who like grew yeah. up watching these old movies. Like the orchestra, is so good. It's so easy to get swept up in like the lush kind of like extravagance of it. That you kind of miss how hollow it is. Like, it doesn't really mean Because rewatching it now in 2023 versus seeing it for the first time several times in 2016, (laughs) 2017. Yeah. I had two very different experiences watching this. Sure. Well, we talk about it a lot on the podcast that when you sit down to watch something for this podcast in particular, analytically, you end up looking at it through a different lens. Yeah. And so I think you've probably fallen prey to that, but um, <laughs> I did. <laughs> I tried real hard to come up with some kind of like big takeaway from it, and I uh, it, like they both got their dreams in the end. Like he got his club, and she's a famous actress, but like, but they didn't get their dreams because they had this dream of doing it together. But then, but they did end up getting their dreams because in the end, like their dream was for the person they loved. In, to be in, successful. Yeah, to, to achieve their dreams. Yes. So like they got their dream and they didn't. It's like in, in the Great Gatsby when everyone is the American dream, but nobody gets the American dream. Mm. Like this big like uh, uh, academic hullabaloo that doesn't really make any fucking sense. But if you, if you scratch your chin while you explain it, you seem really intelligent. 
Sure. True. I just don't know if it means anything. I don't think so. And, and that well, last that last exchange they have where they like look at each other, they, they both go on a face journey, there's no dialogue. Right? right? It's a great acting moment, but there there is no dialogue, and so I don't know what the fuck it means. That's fair. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> I, I to me that look was oh, we did it. And I will always love we you. We did it, Joe. <laughs> we did it. We did it, Joe. Yeah, I just don't know if I mean, I I wrote down, La La Land is like if an Oscar bait film was Coco Melon. <laughs> like, it looks good. It sounds pretty. It entertains you, and like you can look at it and not not be like unsettled or uncomfortable for a long time. But I don't know if it has any substance. Like, I don't know if no. it means anything at all. I don't. I don't think so. This well, is maybe the, the most. Even some of the reviews were like, "This is just good old fashioned escapism." It's just fluff. It is a huge fluff piece. Yeah, and it doesn't have any like big political anything to make. No. It doesn't really take a stance on anything. It's just about these two people, and whether they achieve their dreams or not. And I think that's maybe up for debate if you go round and round with it at the end. But like, I don't know. What are you meant to? Are you meant to learn anything? To gain anything? And I think here's the thing, is that I would think I would think less about it if I saw some really great singing and dancing in it. Yeah, if the chops think, were up to up to par. I think it would be a different movie if there were different people in the leads. I agree. Fully. I wonder who should have done it. Uh I don't know, someone phenomenal who can sing. <laughs> From back in twenty sixteen. Yeah. I'm trying to think of boys who, who were like dance above par. Do you um, think like Andrew Rannells would have done well with that or no? Oh sure, he's got that really particular timbre though about his voice that makes him kind of yeah. hard to put in stuff. Yeah, fair. Um, what about like um, what about the the older uh, Huff sibling? What's his name? Julianne Huff's brother, Derek, Derek. Derek Huff. What about Derek Huff? Does he sing? I know he dances real, real good. I don't know. Yeah, I just wonder. I wonder if this could have been what they what what I think they were aiming for, because I think you can see the pieces of what it what they wanted it to be. Yeah. But they just ended up with these two, these two stars, quote unquote, who just don't quite. Who have had great chemistry in other projects. Great chemistry and have you know stage credits to their names yeah. and like I think have. I'm not knocking them. I'm, I just think they weren't right for this project in particular, and it really brought the whole thing down. No, because when you're going to go with this, the, I mean, this is Golden Age. That's yeah, what this is. this is. This is just reworked MGM. Right. Where's the Fred Astaire of it all? That's the thing, is that you are you're you're emulating surrounding these characters. them in a vehicle that was always driven by people that either were the best of the best dancers right or some of the best vocalists out there right and, and, not, and they're just not they're not either one of them no because again we've had plenty of conversations on the pod about you're a dancer first you're a singer first sure that being obvious we one example that sticks out in my mind very heavily is white christmas yeah. yeah, yeah, where you know like I mean? our, where Vera Ellen and and uh, Rosemary Clooney are very much like opposite ends of the singer dancer spectrum, mm-hmm. right? But they both still hold their own, and they both still impress. 
but that's the thing is that when you have middle of the ground yeah yeah and i'm just like when you have these sort of middling actors it, it doesn't you have to impress someone with something well and that's what that's what these musicals did when mgm did them Correct. So you surround them, again, yeah. by all of the same great, wonderful things, all of the nostalgia things, all of the mm-hmm, whatever. Mm-hmm. Done to current Hollywood standard and, and splendor. Right. But not the same vault, like talent level mm-hmm. of yeah. that thing. If you were going to do it, I think you needed to do the whole fucking thing. Yeah. City of Stars? More like City of Starless. Oh, hey I just oh, thought of that. Hey. I thought of that on the fly, baby. There you go. I mean, I didn't know what we were going to do for a title, but I think we got it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There you go. Well, let's rate it. <sighs> um, This is difficult because here's the thing is that I'm like, ooh, we could, I think, based off of design, orchestra, this direction several times cinematography all of that kind of stuff the score and no, the design are great no i just thought the the pishikaka thing yeah. the writer was the fucking director there i oh, you're right damien i son of a bitch anyway <laughs> <laughs> um but oh man but that all of these things are so wonderful great to, but but for what but that's the thing. If you're... I'm going to give it a two. I was thinking a three because of the the goodness and the grandeur of all of those other things. Because typically the main thing that we've... Those are factors, right? They're always factors in our score. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with a two, though. Because it's like, yes, all of that stuff is so beautifully done. But... But the, the performance, of everything else. the shallowness of the actors of their performances hinders it so aggressively. And there's no story. Yeah. What's the point? Like, what was the reason we sat through it? <laughs> what was the reason? What about a two point five? I think we can. I think we can. I will in the settle. Middle. Can we do a two point five? Yes. It seems like we are. Yes. Because I know exactly what's going to happen with the bitty test. BD, the Mindy Drake. Pass, fail. 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 I mean, that's the thing. Is that like all of these other things were so wonderful, but their their performance in this. Yeah, it's just is not like... up to par. It's just not up to par. And this is what happens when you when you take something meant for Hollywood grade or a Broadway grade talent mm-hmm. and you try and fill it with Hollywood grade actors. Neither of them are bad. They're just doing different things. And if you want someone to do this song and dance, then you need to find song and dance people. Let the people who light your film, who costume your film, who produce your film, who write your film, be Hollywood people. Let the people who execute your song and dance and your story and bring it to wonderful musical theater life be the people who know how to do that. Mm -hmm. You You just have to have the right tools. And Hollywood actors are not the right tools. We've proved it time and time and again on this podcast. And so you fail. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just, just that on that. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> we can give it a two. I've decided. Love what changed that. your mind? Did you look at something just now? Were you re- reading notes and deciding how much you hated it? No, I was really thinking about um, the fact that the director was indeed the writer. That's well, fair. That's a two, baby. That really... Stuck in your craw, huh? It really did. Well, that's a two and a With fail. With several things, because I'm like, you wrote the damn thing, and right. then you also were directing it. Which means maybe you probably overextended yourself and needed more writers. 
Yeah. 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 So two and a fail. Two and a fail. How about a fortune cookie? Speaking of failure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My fortune cookie comes from my attending a bachelor party over the weekend experience. We don't have to dive into that. But (laughs) moral of the story is don't let the fear of failure keep you from trying to reach your goals. I love that. Mm-hmm. Unless, of course, your goal was to create La La Land exactly as we experienced it. In which case... <laughs> it was a choice. <laughs> in which case, maybe do let fear win. We didn't need all of it. <laughs> Benny, where can they find us? <laughs> um, You guys can find us on all things at Backstage Biddies. You can email us your listener requests and things like that at BackstageBiddies at gmail.com. You can find me places at Benny Biddy. Uh, where can they find you, Drake? Are we, are we still doing Podvine? Yeah. Go follow us on Podvine. Go do that. Um, you can find me eating some chicken on a stick. Um, you can also, uh, you should subscribe. That whole long thing that we did in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Quick reminder. Yeah. And stick around for the ad and probably some bloopers at the end. Hales, where can they find you? I'm an enigma on the internet. <laughs> Because there's always a chance my students will find me. That uh. is valid. <laughs> you can well, that's that on that. <laughs> you can find her having a cocktail over this summer break. That's where you can find Hooah. Haley Fish. Hooah. It's what you deserve. I read a book outside today. My God, at a girl. <laughs> Look at you really living life to its fullest. <laughs> okay, um, go subscribe. Um, send us your money. Love you, mean it. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 There you go. So we're coming home from Chicago, and we had a really terrible lunch at the uh, aquarium because we were at the shed. Oh. And we got we tried to go to this like little cart where they had like burritos and quesadillas and whatever, and the meat. It looked like chicken, and it tasted like a Slim Jim. Oh, no. And so <laughs> Cheyenne and Justin were both like, well, I didn't finish that because that's I didn't want to shit my pants in your car. So that's, I, <laughs> I think that's valid. I think that's very valid, actually. So I chose not to eat that. So then I was like, well, you have to eat, and it's a four-hour drive home. So mm-hmm. I'm like, we'll find somewhere. Let's get out of, out of uh, Chicago, and mm-hmm. we'll find somewhere like before we hit Milwaukee. And so... Um, we're driving and we see a sign for Cracker Barrel and I was like, hey guys, you want to go Cracker Barrel? It's not a drive through Like, they just didn't want, like, like french fries and a burger. I was like, we can find something else. Mm-hmm. And uh, neither of them had been to Cracker Barrel. So, we're like, great. We love trying new things. Let's go to Cracker Barrel. So, we get in there and, of course, neither of them have been to a Cracker Barrel. So, they walk in and it's a, it's a gift shop. And they were like, Where's mm-hmm. the is this... Is this dinner? They're looking at like a, an array of like like neon flamingo lights and like novelty candies, and they were like, "Is this?" Yeah, do you not eat plastic? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "It's okay, guys. There's like a whole there's a whole thing over yonder." Uh, and so then we had to put our name on a wait list, and this poor old man who was taking all the names like clearly had like Parkinson's, like could not physically stand still, and so he's like. Waving things around and shouting people's names and no one's coming and he's trying to like trying to on you know, his little itty bitty hostess desk like shuffle around all these uh, uh, menus that keep coming back to him. It was a it was a disaster. 
He can't hold anything still. The menus don't fit on the hostess stand. Like, he's just in the worst place. People won't aren't showing up for their reservations. Mm-hmm. He's shouting people's names into the ether. So we finally get into the dining room. And uh, the table we were sat at was just, like, covered in the last meal. Ew. Like, gravy on the table, breadcrumbs on the floor, in the chairs. It was just, just filthy. And then our waitress finally comes over and takes her order. And um, and she's like, she's out of this and she's out of that. And uh, she's going to get us as much. Each meal comes with, like, either cornbread or, or uh, biscuits. Mm-hmm. So she was like, I'll get you whatever I can from the kitchen and bring them out as they're ready. And we were like, whatever, babe. Like, you just take your time. You, she was so frazzled. <laughs> um, so she brings out food. And then she sets down our bread and sets down next to it a, a pile of, like, extra large dinner napkins. And she was like, I brought out extra napkins. We're out of plates. <laughs> but I brought you napkins to, so you don't have to eat on the table. And we were like... Eat on the table? <laughs> so, so that's why there was then the entire meal. Correct. Okay. Which was, yeah, why, why the previous meal was literally on the table. So then we're sitting there and she walks away and we were like, clearly you're overwhelmed. Like the kitchen's working overtime. Like whatever, whatever. We're not in a rush. We'll get home when we get home. Bring us biscuits at your leisure. No worries. We go to butter the biscuits mm-hmm. and open, you know, various jellies and preserves and realize are without silverware. So Justin and Ross had no patience. They opened their jelly and just took the biscuits and just started like the the move was that. to scoop the jelly out, but because it's like a crumbly ass cracker barrel biscuit, it just it just oh. disintegrates in their hand. And Ross and Justin both just <laughs> A handful of just crumbs. Just broken biscuit and and jelly just like slowly forming its own little blob in their hand. Um it was wild. It was a wild time. Did we go to Cracker Barrel on the Florida trip or is that yes? Yeah, we did. Because someone fell asleep on their pancakes. I don't remember who. I don't remember who either, but that fully is a thing that happened. Fully is a thing that happened. Okay. I was trying to remember what field trip we did. I don't remember if it was going to Florida. I think it was on the way back. It was on the way back. That's what I think. It had to be on the way back. What a time. Fucking Cracker Barrel. (laughs) Classic (laughs) pancakes.